sound quality. We will have that. And now we will have this. with that. Hold on one second. Duka, 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 doop, doop. Hope the Bluetooth is connecting. Okay, let's hope it did. All right. We're ready to learn. Tonight's class was sponsored by Goldie Rosenstein. And this is an honor of her mother's yard site. Chana Bas Moshe, may she have a very great aliyah. I think the yard site is tonight, um, which is the 17th of Elul. May her mother's neshama have a great aliyah to the highest and the greatest and the greatest of heights. And may she channel lots of blessings to you, Goldie, and to your um, for all that you need and all that you want, much, 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 much wonderful, 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 great blessings and a ksiva chasimetayv and a good gebench diar. Okay. We're also going to dedicate this class for protection for the United States of America uh, and these powerful storms that are happening. Hopefully we can bring about some special bracha that the um, things can change direction and can leave the least damage, if any at all. And uh, an interesting thing we're going to study about, we're going to study in, about the chauffeur Gadol, the big chauffeur. Oh, you just missed the dedication, but we, we announced it. Good, 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 good. Gitty, you want to help her? Thank you. So... Um, the, if you look at, uh, at the images I mentioned um, on the news, on the news uh, broadcasts, we're looking at the images of the, of the, of the hurricane. And the direction that the hurricane is taking, it, it, it literally, lo- it's scary, it's very frightening. It literally looks like a shofar. CNN is putting up, you know, when they put up the maps... When they put up the maps, and they put up the, and they show how the storm is moving in which direction, they're predicting the storm will move. So the way they did it was, you can see it's starting and it gets, it goes this way and then it turns up. Towards Florida, towards Miami, and as it's turning, again this is their prediction the way they're seeing it going like this and turning like that up, and when it turns up, it the the scope of it widens. Now based on what, where, and when, I'm not a weather, you know, a weather, whatever, a maven, I don't know. But this is their prediction. This is their model. You can take a look all, all day long on CNN today. They're showing this picture. And it literally looks like a shofar. You don't know. It's some kind of an awakening. I don't know what's going on, but we'll learn about the shofar, hopefully. Our holy shofar can weaken a, that harsh shofar. Okay, so let's read. This shofar that we're going to learn about today is a fascinating discourse. In addition to it describing the essence of the shofar, the blowing of the shofar that happens in Rosh Hashanah, 
it will also compare our, our shofar to the great shofar that is going to blow when Mashiach comes. When Mashiach comes, it says, we say it in the Rosh Hashanah davening, it's going to be on that day, Yitaka, will, it will be blown, Bishofar Gadol, with a, gro, with a great shofar, it will be blown. It will be, it will be blown. And uh, who will blow with this great shofar? It will be blown. doesn't say who will blow, but it says it will be blown. So the, he's going to begin the mimer and asking, who really cares if it's a small shofar or a big shofar? It's a shofar. A shofar is a shofar. What's the difference? A little shofar, a big shofar. Does it really make that much of a difference? We know the Sephardim, in some Sephardic communities, they have these really, really long, long shofars. And in other communities, Ashkenazi communities, they kind of have a smaller shofar. But we know we accomplish the same thing with the chauffeur. We do tshuva, we draw down a great birthing of, of the cosmos and the creation of the world happening through the chauffeur. What's the difference if it's so large or small? That's really what the mimer is going to discuss. We are going to learn part one tonight and part one, and part two, Be'ezus Hashem, next week Thursday, hopefully in Yerushalayim. And hopefully while we're learning, we can find ourselves in Yerushalayim. We got, the sh- we got the big shofar already blowing in the Atlantic. It should, the only effect of that big storm, it should blow all the Jewish people up into the clouds with our homes, with all that we belong, and whisk us to Yerushalayim and plant us there. And that's what it should do. Okay, we're ready to go. This is in Lakuti Torah. I'm surprised we didn't learn this mimer yet, um, even though we've learned almost all the mimerim in Lakuti Torah. I think I, I, we di- I actually did teach this, but I taught this on Shabbos over here at Mayan, but not, I didn't teach it on uh, able to be recorded. So now uh, we'll do the recording. Oh, it will be on this day. You talk of a shofar, God will be blown with the great shofar. Now, the Alter Rebbe said this mimer, the second, right before the second to the last Rosh Hashanah of his life. In the year. 2010 it was. In 2010, Tov Kuf Ayan Aleph. No, that would have been 2000, not 2018, I'm sorry. I see. In the year 1811 was when the Alter Rebbe said this mimer. Before, before Rosh Hashanah of 1811, which would be Rosh Hashanah, Tafkuf, Ayin, Aleph. And I think there was one more Rosh Hashanah in the Alter Rebbe's life, Tafkuf, Ayin, Beis. Did the Alter Rebbe live into Tafkuf, Ayin, Gimel? Maybe there's two Rosh Hashanahs. I think he passed away. No, he passed away in Tafkuf, Ayin, Gimel after. So this was two years before his passing. In any case, that's the mimer. Oh, Yabayimahu, it will be on that, and it will, and it will be on that day, Yitaka will be blown, Bishofar, Gadol, with the great Shofar. And those that are lost, Be'eretz Ashur, in the land of Ashur, which is usually translated as Syria. And those that are cast away, Be'eretz Mitzrayim, in the land of Egypt. So those people um, that, are, that, are, that are in all those places, uh, they're all going to come. The shofar is going to be so powerful, it's going to draw everybody from the farthest corners, they're all going to bow down to God, Bahara, Kodesh on the holy mountain, the Yerushalayim in, in Jerusalem. So Yeshlahav, we need to understand Mashakas of this that it says, Bishofar Gadol, that he's going to blow with the great shofar. 
The Maimal Yusa, what really doesn't matter? What's the great benefit? What do we gain? The Shaifer Gadol, that it's a big Shaifer. Yoiser al Shaifer Sheina Gadol. More than a Shaifer that's not Gadol. For example, we know that people travel to, to big tzaddikim. You know, Rosh Hashanah, you want to be by a tzaddik. Why? Because you know when a tzaddik blows shofar, they know what to do. It's as it says, when the Pasuk we say before shofar, we say, Ashrei Ha'om, praised right after the shofar. We say, Ashrei Ha'om, praised the people, Yodei Teruah, who know how to blow. It doesn't say, Ashrei Ha'om, praised fortunate are the people who toikate tekiah, who blow the shofar. It says, who know the blowing. So that's why Hasidim always wanted to go to Rebbe for Rosh Hashanah, because these mystical great giants, they knew what they were doing. And they had the right kavanot when they were blowing shofar, they had all the, all the, all the, all the, they had them, the right things. So you want to have a tzaddik blow, that's a difference. You can have a regular person blow, or you can have a gadol, a big tzaddik, a big, sh- a big uh, someone who's an ish gadol, a great man, blowing the shofar. That I understand the difference. But the shofar? If it's a small shofar or a big shofar, what makes a difference? Like, what do we think we're going to accomplish more with a bigger shofar? How is that going to, how is that going to affect the outcome? If it's a bigger shofar or a smaller shofar, that doesn't make a difference. We're not measuring. It's just not something that can be measured by size. It's a mitzvah. It's something very deep that's going on. So that's his question. And we say when Mashiach comes, it's going to be a big shofar. That's not great. Like the shofar of Rosh Hashanah that we blow now, like it says elsewhere, you might answer and say oh, that since God is going to be the one that's blowing, so when God blows, He blows with a big shofar because by God everything is big. You know we're small, so we blow with small shofar. Hashem, He's He's, he's big. He blows with a big shofar. But you can't say that because there's another pasuk that says, "Vahashem Elokim, Vaadna Havaya, Aleph Dalit Nun Yud Havaya Yud Kevavke, B'Shoifar Yiska blows with a shofar, and it doesn't mention a large shofar. So you see that there is another pasuk that mentions that Hashem is blowing, and yet it doesn't mention a big shofar. It's only when it's talking about the future in Mashiach that's when he says that whoever is blowing is going to blow with a big shofar. So, and which we know is Hashem. So, but, but why over here are we ascribing a large shofar? It doesn't say a large shofar. Really, the Zohar and Parshas Veschanan already asks this question. Look over there. Okay, there's a few rabbis. He, he, he brings over here a bunch of references to Tzemach Tzedek. Where we find that this pasuk v'hoya b'yoyimahu is referenced. V'yeitzei parsha ayin nasoi perik yud gimel medrash rus seif parshas v'shem yishali melech b'medrash Esther a pasuk v'hibimei inyan eshtach v'hoya, which it says there it discusses the idea of bowing down. Parshas v'yera perik nun vav b'yushalayim. It explains in kahelas rabbis seif perik kol anacholim v'oid niskra pasuk zeva v'hoya b'yoyimahu b'zayar chelik alaf parshas v'yigash v'yachi b'shalach v'yikra. Okay. This was just a bunch of references in which he tells us to look out. Over there it discusses things about this Pasuk of the Hoya Bayaimahu. Okay, now we're, we're right after the brackets and we continue. He needs to understand all of this. On Rosh Hashanah we state, we say, This is the day of the beginning of your work. Zikaron, it is a remembrance, Leom Rishon to the first day. What do we say again? 
We say, this is the day, God, of the beginning of your work. It is a zikaron, it is, which means on Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is considered the day of the beginning of it, because we know Rosh Hashanah is the anniversary of the world. It's not really the anniversary of the world or the birthday of the world, it's the birthday of man. But since man is the primal being, even though God created man on the sixth day, He created him on the sixth day at the very end because He's like the crown jewel of creation. So every year when it's the anniversary of the human being or the birthday of the human being, we say that that's, that's the beginning. We're going back to the beginning. Zehayom, this is the day. Tchilas Masecha, that's the beginning of your, your work. The question he has over here, the pasta continues and it says, Zikaron, it is a remembrance, it is a commemoration, Leom Rishon, to the first day. So what he's asking, he's going to ask a question, is it seems like these, the first half of the verse and the second half of the verse contradict each other. Because the first half of the verse implies that this day, literally Rosh Hashanah, we're going back to the beginning. It's as if God is creating the world from absolutely anew. Every Rosh Hashanah. So this is a new beginning. But then it says it's only a commemoration, which means it's not, it's not new, it's only similar. We're remembering it's similar to the first day. So which one is it? Is this day really the beginning? Or is this day only a commemoration of the beginning? That's the question. It seems to be that there is some kind of a contradiction. Lav Reisha say for the beginning and the end don't seem to go along with each other. Why? Because this is the day of the beginning of the Yerk Mashma. It implies that this is literally the beginning. I know what does that mean? That on this day and every year God renews the world, literally. And afterwards he says, It's a remembrance to the first day. Mashma implies. Sheinoi that it isn't Elazikaron, it is only a remembrance. Lizkores Yom Rishon to remember the first day. Shenivreboya Oilama, which the world was created. in the six days of of creation. That it's a memory. In other words, most people look at Rosh Hashanah as we're commemorating. We're commemorating something that happened a long time ago, five thousand seven hundred and seventy-eight years ago, coming up. Right. So it, it, it happened a long time ago. But we're saying, no, 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 this is literally, creation is taking place now. So then why in the end does it say that it's only a commemoration? But in truth, both are true. It is a real, real new beginning, but it's also a commemoration to the first time. The answer, very briefly, why it's true, is because every year God recreates the creation, because last year's creation expires. That's basically what it is. God creates the world with a one-year subscription. We have every year a one-year subscription to life. Not just us, but all of the cosmos, all of the world. Literally, it's subscribed for a year. When now the countdown starts, now as we're getting to high Elul, 12 days left, it's starting to count down. It's like when you, you know when you order a certain program and you subscribe to on your computer, and you order it and you subscribe for a year. So five days, a, a couple of days before, it starts giving you make your renewal. Five days from now, it's expiring. Then it comes up a pop-up. Four days, it says, you know, make your renewal, or else, the, right? And then it tells you, your program will expire in 24 hours. <laughs> and then you're waiting, right? And then, and then if you don't, make, you don't make the payment, you don't, it's asking you to swipe the card. If you're willing to give them the $29.99 for the year, whatever they're asking for, it'll work. 
If you'll try to use the program and you didn't subscribe, book, you know, you're hitting and it says, you know, there's no, there's no, it's not working. You can't, you can't, you can't open the program because it's a yearly subscription. Creation is a yearly subscription. And we need to renew creation. Every year, God literally, because initially when he created the world, he only created it for a year. And then, and then he's waiting for Rosh Hashanah that we should engage him and excite him to create the world for another year. And this is the way it's been for the last five Thousand Baruch Hashem, we've always subscribed and made our payment, five thousand seven hundred and seventy-seven times, and God re, 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 recreated the world for another year. However, is he going to explain? He's going to explain. Is it's a little different. However, it's a little different than the first year. The reason why it is a little different than the first year. You're going to shut the one over there. I'm going to open the one over here. <laughs> It's a little different on the giving end and the receiving end. I told you, you have to bring a, a like they, see, they come well prepared. You have to come like an Eskimo. You have to come like an Eskimo. You got to bring your blanket. You got to bring your poncha. Yeah, because I'm giving, I get very hot at this end. The, the, the recipients are getting very cold. Now what can I do? You're also, you're under the air and I'm not, see? So that's another thing. I should teach there and you should all sit here. That's another thing. But in any case, the, 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 the answer, however... How come it's not, how come, how, so that, that's why it's literally the beginning of your work. But why is it only a commemoration to the year before? To the first year? is because it's different. The first time when God created, He created without swiping the card. He did it, He launched the program with a free launch. He did it without anybody stimulating it because no one was there to deserve to be created. So He had to initiate it out of pure kindness, out of pure his own will. Now, every year, it's not exactly the same, because every year, he requires a payment. We have to evoke it. We have to deserve to be created again. How do we deserve to be created again? Based on our merits from the year before. How we did last year will decide if we deserve to be created again. And that's why it's, it's a reenactment, not just a reenactment, it's actually a re, it's, a, it's, it's, it's happening. What happened the first year is happening again, but the nature of, of the way it is happening, the character of that creative life force that God is creating the world with is different. The first year it was purely chesed, purely kindness, there was no judgment there at all, because there was no one to judge. It was a free lunch. This, after that, from year number two and onward, it, the nature of Rosh Hashanah is that it's a Yom Hadin. It's a day of judgment. Now, obviously, it's not, it, God is not going to work with us tit for tat and judge us completely, completely with stern judgment or else we would have not been around a long time ago. Even now, it's... Mostly kindness. It's just there is some elements of judgment as well. So it's, that's why it's called a remembrance to the first year, because it is similar to the first year in character as well, because it is abundant of kindness, is flowing even today. Because again, if God would judge based completely on us earning it, we, the collective human race, probably did not, did not together create enough points so to speak, to earn our recreation. So God has to really, really, really make a deposit in our, in our account 
a very big deposit to, to, to allow for us to pay for our, for our renewal subscription. So it is still a lot of kindness, but there's also judgment. It's not just pure kindness. That's what he's going to explain in the next column and a half. Okay? Achine be'emes in truth, shnei'emes, both are true. Kihine inyan Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah shenikra Rosh. Why is Rosh Hashanah called the head? So first of all, he wants to explain how Rosh Hashanah is called, we don't, we don't call it the beginning of the year, we call it the head of the year. And in Torah, everything is very precise. The reason Rosh Hashanah is called the head, because Rosh Hashanah is the brain of the year. By way of analogy, just like the brain in a person. Is the source of life to all the limbs. Shaboy reishes, because in the brain it is the first reishes, gilui klolos achayis. The first revelation of the general life force of the body is in the brain. Omimen, noam from mitnem shach, and it is drawn lecholeivarim to all the limbs, chiyusam, their chayos, their life, vikiyumam, and their sustaining power, beprotos, and specifically, shemetchilu, in the beginning, oyeklulam beroish. At first they were all included in the head, umoyach, and in the brain, behelam, in the concealed state. What does this mean? When we take a look at Rosh Hashanah, we do the analogy, because Rosh Hashanah is what the brain is to the body in, in, in the human, Rosh Hashanah is to the year in time. In other words, if we can look at all of time like a human body, Rosh Hashanah is the brain of that time, and the rest of the year are all the organs and all the limbs. So every, day, every year God creates, literally, He creates this human element of time. The year unfolds as a human. We can't see it, but we'll see really, it's really that way. There is a liver, there is a, there is a heart in time, there is a liver in time, there is a spine in time, there is the right arm and the left arm and the fingers and the toes. All throughout the year, the various different months of the year are all shaped as a human. The reason is, since the human being is the purpose of all of creation, so we know time and space has all a human, a human, a human appearance, all in a human form. We also know, to, we know that the, 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 the earth also has a human form. Sages tell us that everything that's in earth is also in the human being. There, you know, there's trees and that's like the hair growing on the head. And there's plants and there's this and there's rivers, that's like the arteries and the blood. Everything that's in the, that's in the, that's in the world. So space formed like a human because it's meant to, I don't know, again, if you're going to ask a, I don't know, you call a cosmo... Uh, a politan, or what they call them, a cosmologist. If you ask if, if they can see any kind of a human form to the cosmos, I, I'm not saying that. But the idea exists that space follows the human, and time is also that way. And Rosh Hashanah is the brain of time. And what's the significance of the brain? The brain is not only the most important organ in the human body, because it conducts the affairs of the entire body. The brain is also where all life, all movement and all experiences of the body initiate in the brain. Now, the brain contains within itself all the life force of the entire body is first in the brain. And from the brain it is disseminated into all the limbs. The fact that my eye can see, the power of vision was first in my brain before it reached my eye. It manifests in the eye. The brain can't see but the power of vision is already in the brain. The brain can think because the, the, the brain is the, 
is the is the um, the brain is that has all the all the powers of the body in a concentrated seed. Well, it's all in the brain. Now, in order for any power to actualize itself, it needs a container. It needs a vessel because we know everything works with energy and vessel. Energy and vessel. So, for example, the eye, the physical eye, is only a vessel. It's a container. The eye on its own doesn't have vision. The power of vision is coming from the brain. The energy, the power, the vision that God, the power to see comes from the brain. It manifests, it takes hold in the eye because the eye, you see, is made of a special type of luminous uh, uh, tissue or whatever that's different than the rest of the brain. And it's made to be able to allow light to come in, which is what exactly, and the lens and all of that, which allows vision to happen. So that's a keli. The ears are programmed, the physical ears, to be the vessel for another power. To be the vessel of the power of what we call the power of shmia, the power of hearing. And the nose, the power of scent, the hands and the feet, the power of feet, the power of walking, the hands, the power of making or moving and doing things, art. These various different things are in the hands, feet, okay? Now, the brain has all the energy, all the powers are in the brain, but it doesn't have the vessels for everything. The only thing the brain does have the vessels for is for the, is for the intellect, for the thinking, that the brain has the vessels. So that power not only is in the brain, but also registers in the brain and manifests in the brain. All the other powers don't manifest they're in the brain, but they don't really actualize in the brain. They need to be sent to its particular vessel, to the particular keli, to the particular um, container. And when it will match up with the right container, it will, it will then be actualized. So the brain has, is interesting. It has a particular function, but it also serves as the headquarters for everything that's going to happen in the body. So just like it is with the brain, the same is also with Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is not just a day. Rosh Hashanah is 365 days. It's a concentrated, it's a day that contains 365 days. The 48 hours, because Rosh Hashanah is really two days, but the sages say that those two days are not even considered like two days, it's one long day. So the 48 hours of Rosh Hashanah, because even in Eretz Yisrael, the Rosh Hashanah is two days, so the 48 hours of Rosh Hashanah is highly potent, so, so powerful, because every moment of that contains massive amount of energy, much more energy than any other time of the year. And that is why we have to be so cautious on what we do in Rosh Hashanah, and what we think in Rosh Hashanah, and literally not to waste a moment. Because time in Rosh Hashanah is multiplied because it's the brain of the air. And that's the idea that he develops over here. Why? Why is Rosh Hashanah the brain of the air? Because he's, what he's going to explain is last, the energy, that the life force of creation that vivifies and animates the, all of time and space, as I mentioned earlier, departs, expires Rosh Hashanah by night. The next day, on Rosh Hashanah by day, through the shofar, we regenerate the energy. We bring forth a new life force from beyond time into time. So in a sense, it's like 
Time begins on Rosh Hashanah. Because on the night of Rosh Hashanah, God retracts out of time and space. So he's above time. He's, and therefore he's above creation. He's higher than it all. So the energy is not within the world, it's higher than the world. It's a whole question, how does time, how do the hours tick, how do the minutes tick? How do we move from Rosh Hashanah by night until Rosh Hashanah day if there's no energy? And the answer is, we're living off like kind of autopilot. There's no real energy there. It's just, we're in a very, we're in a very weak state. Until we blow the shofar, and we re, and, and God gets excited again to recreate the world. But when God creates the world for another year, He creates it as follows. Just like when life enters the body from the soul, it first enters in a concentrated state in the brain. And then, meaning, God first sends a, not first, I mean the soul, first delivers a general folder of life into the brain. And then you open that folder, and there's a bunch of files, individual files, like it works like a computer. Someone downloads, you get a zip folder. It's got like a bunch of files. And then you have to open up each individual file. And sometimes you have folders within folders within folders within folders. So what happens in Rosh Hashanah is that God downloads to the world a folder of life. That's Rosh Hashanah. You click that folder and you find 12 folders inside of it for every day of the month. For, for the 12 months. Each month is also a different folder. It's a different character. It's a different energy. Then you click on each of those folders and 30 days evolve. 30 files. Each one is another day of the upcoming year. Then you open up the, each day and you have 24 hours folder uh, of files. That's you see one within the other, within the other. And that's how time and all the occurrences of time, and everything that happens within that time, all the blessings, every breath we're going to take, everything, all the money we're going to earn, all the livelihood, all the friends we're going to make, all the accomplishments, I mean, everything that's, that's going to happen and unfold over the year is coming to us in a zip drive, or in a one big folder on Rosh Hashanah. That's Rosh Hashanah, is the brain of the year. It contains the entire year in that unit. Then it just has to open up into and manifest from Rosh Hashanah down into every day. So Rosh Hashanah, you get your blessings for the whole year. That's why the sages say, you can't, you can't, nothing that's going to happen the next year, nothing, there isn't any occurrence that happens to a person during the year that really didn't happen in potential on Rosh Hashanah. Everything is there. All of it, the sages say, particularly in regards to um, livelihood. They seem as a nice of Shal Adam, all of a person's earnings and food and all whatever they need is prescribed to them on Rosh Hashanah for the entire year. Because it's the brain. And the brain has whatever is going to happen later. So now let's read it again. In your Rosh Hashanah, Shanikra Rosh Hashanah is called a head by way of analogy, just like a head in a person. It's the source of life to all the limbs. Why? To all the limbs. Because in the brain is where the general life force begins to reveal itself. And from it is drawn to all the particular organs. Some their life, and their sustaining power in a particular way. First, everything was included in the head and in the brain, in a concealed state. You understand something that when all, when all this energy was in the brain, you could in the brain you can't detect. Well, here is sight, 
and here is vision. Today's days they could. Neurologists know that when you poke certain ports of the brain, this will, in, this will inspire the, the, the memory. This is where sight is. This is where hearing takes place. God forbid when someone has a stroke or something and there's brain damage, so then it, 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 depending on which side of the brain and which portion, that's where these, these other limbs and organs, a person can, God forbid, have uh, uh, paralyzed on this limb or that organ, and so God forbid, or speech, different things become impaired based on the brain. Because it's all there in the brain, but obviously you need to be a neurologist with all the study to be able to see it. Anybody else looking at the brain doesn't see all of that because it's in a concealed state in the brain. Because the, the Mishkan, the dwelling of the intellectual soul, is in the brain. Nefesh HaSichlis over here means the general soul of life. The general soul is in the brain, umimena, and from the brain, mispashetes, it, it expands, kochos nefesh the powers of the soul, l'chol heivarim, to all the limbs, me'ahelem elagilui, from the concealed to the revealed, l'ayin, to the eye, l'irois, to see, u'leregel, and to the legs, l'haloich, to walk, kach rosh Hashanah, so to rosh Hashanah, hureshis, so just like it is in a human body, now the same is also rosh Hashanah, this is when the general life force shall call Hashanah of the entire year is revealed. Why? Because you enliven everything. It says in the Pasuk that you, Hashem, enliven everything. And in every day, every day the world is new. Every day is really a new energy. Every day there's a new energy. In other words, the world, we don't, we don't it's not, uh, what is the word, stoic or static? static. Well, static means just, it is moving. Static means it's not moving. It's not static. It is moving. Life moves. It's not like there's just, you know, what was, Masha Hayahu Shayiyah, what was, will be. It's changing. Worlds are changing. The energy that's in the world today is new life. Not yesterday's life. God renews the, the, the power in creation every day. We say it in Davening, Amachadish Bechol Yom. God renews every day. Tamid Ma'isibirachis. Every day it's a, new, it's a new energy. The sun has a new, new light. And the moon and the ka- and everything. Everything is new. With a new life pulsating. The, the, the external shell, the outside of creation, is the same. But the energy, the soul of creation, is different every day. But he's saying an interesting thing. Even though tomorrow is a different energy of today, it's not totally new because it was already in the file for Rosh Hashanah. Last year's Rosh Hashanah received already tomorrow. It just Tomorrow's file did not yet materialize in down here yet. It's still in the Rosh Hashanah. Tonight, at, no, now it's already nighttime, the, the next energy from that file that was contained in Rosh Hashanah is beginning... Every day of the year, we're still clicking back into Rosh Hashanah to draw the energy down into the day. It's like taking the energy from the brain into the fingers and into the limbs. The energy gets renewed. The energy of today is not like yesterday. And the same is also, now there's regular days and then there are super juicy days. 
There are days that we have, you know, just a, a regular day. And then there is a holiday. And we know that holidays are pulsating with life. They're saturated with energy way more than an ordinary day. The Yom Tif. So that too, he says, is also coming from Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is giving all the power that's in Pesach is coming from Rosh Hashanah. All the power that's going to be in Shavuot when the Torah is given is coming from Rosh Hashanah. The Yom Tovim of all the years. Of, of the year. There's far more vitality. Much more than from a regular, ordinary weekday. Can you do as it is known? All of this energy. They're coming. And they're being drawn forth. From Rosh Hashanah. And Rosh Hashanah includes them all. And he says very nicely, because the three main holidays, he's now going to show us that Tzemach Tzedek is now going to, again, this is a minor from the Alter Rebbe, but whenever we get to the brackets, it's the Tzemach Tzedek's insertions. It's his, uh, it's his additions. So, because Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot, Hem keneged gimel avos. They correspond to the three fathers, Avram uphenas Pesach. Avram is Pesach. Now, you know, remember, I said earlier that the year time is also shaped like a person. So the year is a person. He's now going to show how that's in the holidays. We know that Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov represent the two arms of Hashem. Avram is God's right hand. Yitzchak is God's left hand because he represents the attribute of judgment, which is on the left. And Yaakov is God's, so to speak, the torso, the, the center, the center column. And it's Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, the three. So, corresponding to Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, we have three holidays. Pesach is Avram's holiday, and he's going to show us why in a moment. Uh, Shavuos is Yitzhak's holiday, and, and, and Sukkot is Yaakov's holiday. Now that means that every year we have the right arm, is Pesach. We have the left arm, which is Shavuos. And Sukkot, we experience the, 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 the center. And then Hanukkah and Purim, they correspond to the two legs. So you got, you got the whole body already. Right, left, center, the two legs. And then the, the, the head is Rosh Hashanah. So that's the shape. And then the, all the particulars are the rest of the days of the year. So as he explains over here, connected Gimelos Avram uphenas Pesach. Where do you see that Avram is Pesach? Because by Avram it says that he told Sarah quickly, "Let's bake lushi vasu ugos. Go and make crackers, which are matzahs." When the guest, when the three, when the three angels came, he told Sarah, "Get go get the start baking." And ugot means means the round things, which are the matzahs. And matzah we eat on Pesach, and that's Chesed, the right arm. Shavuos, Shavuos, Matan Torah. Shavuos, the time when the Torah was given, and and when the Torah was given, there was a blast of the shofar, and we know the shofar was taken from the Yitzchak, from the from the ram that was offered in the place of Yitzchak, was the shofar that was taken. The left shofar was used. By the giving of the Torah, the right shofar is the great shofar that's going to be blown when Mashiach comes. But the left shofar was the shofar that was blowing. The left shofar was the shofar that was blowing by the giving of the Torah. So Shavuos, which, 
responds to the blowing of the shofar is related to Yitzchak because it was the Akedas Yitzchak that provided the shofar for the blowing. Eilah Shal Yitzchak in the in the in the ram of Yitzchak. Sukkis is Yaakov. Why? It says clearly by Yaakov, the Yaakov nosas Sukosa, and Yaakov traveled to Sukkos. When Yaakov came to Shechem, when he came back from Lavan's house, it says that Yaakov traveled to Sukkos, which means that he built Sukkos over there for his, he built huts for his animals and so forth, and then later he moved into Shechem. Okay. But it mentioned Sukkos by Yaakov. And they represent the two arms and the body. And we know Hanukkah and Purim correspond to Netzach and Hod. These are the two Yom and Tov, in which Netzach and Hod, the latter of two spheroids, are the two legs. These are the two thighs. The thighs of truth. But this is the body. Rosh Hashanah is above it all. Rosh Hashanah is the head. Which in the head is included the energy of the entire body. And who does it correspond to? We need a person. Who does it correspond to? If Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot correspond to... Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot correspond to Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, he didn't say who, who, um, who Hanukkah and Purim correspond to. But Pesach, Shavuos, is Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Who does Rosh Hashanah correspond to? Rosh Hashanah corresponds to Adam Arishon. Who connected Adam Arishon? That's his birthday. Uh, Adam Arishon was born on, on Rosh Hashanah. Ah, what's with Yom Kippur? We, we left out Yom Kippur. So he says Yom Kippur is really the, the same as Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are really considered one holiday. It's just that Yom Kippur is considered the soul of Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is more external and Yom Kippur is more pneumistic. It's a deeper day. But it's the inside of Rosh Hashanah. The Yom Kippur and Nikragam came Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is called Rosh Hashanah also Bekasav in the Pasuk. Yom Kippur is considered the neshama of Rosh Hashanah. Because in the head as well, in the head we also have pnimis, we have the inside of the head and the chitzonius, like you see in a human being. You have, you, have the, you have the head and then you have the brain that's in the inside. Or in the brain, you have the physical brain and you have the mind. The mind is the pnimis. So you see, so Rosh Hashanah is like the outside, and Yom Kippur is the inside. So he brings from Kabbalah, from the Arizal, that the Nesira, that this connect, which happens, which is a preparation for rebuilding, which happens on Yom Kippur, is the Pnimius, or Rosh Hashanah, beside the Chitzonius. And Rosh Hashanah, it's the Chitzonius, the external. The head and the gulgolas, the gulgolas is the skull. As it explained over there, look in the idra, I didn't look up all those sources, I don't know what it says there. I'm sure it would be very, very enlightening if I would have checked it. But in any case, now we're continuing after the parentheses. Because now we're going back. Rosh Hashanah is called the head. Why? Because on this day the energy is drawn down from the source of life. That is giving life to all life. The infinite one. Which God is higher than our time. God is totally beyond time. And on Rosh Hashanah, He is delivering from beyond time 
life to sustain time. But he does it in increments. He does it only for a year. But he delivers the entire year, as we say, in one concentrated drop. And then that drop contains within itself all the further parts of the year. And this energy that God delivers in Rosh Hashanah is very sublime. It's very high. It's very spiritual still. Just like the brain is a very, very... Within the body, the brain is a very lofty part of the body. So too, the energy of Rosh Hashanah is in a very lofty state. Then it has to materialize throughout the year, become more physical. So for Rosh Hashanah, for example, when God gives you sustenance in Rosh Hashanah, that sustenance is not yet translated as cash in the bank. It's translated as energy for life. Every day it has to translate into $20 bills, into $50 bills. It has to come down into something actual because it's still, it's still spiritual on Rosh Hashanah. It's, he says, it's still high. The koilu, but it includes all the parts of life, shalashana of the year, all in one. They're all still concealed. It's a little bit like we would say a child while it's still in the seminal drop. That's going to be the source of the entire child, which will later be developed. But it's all in one drop that is coming from the Father. And in the drop, but it's, it's contained there, not yet fully manifest. And afterwards, Nimshachem, it is drawn from the concealed to the revealed. And every time of the year, according to what is appropriate for that time of year. Summer is going to be hot days and long days. Winter is going to be short, cold days and long nights. And different seasons and different fruits are going to be growing. Different As the world changes, the character of the year, both in the physical, definitely in the spiritual, is very different. The mood Purim time, joy, you know, Pesach time, uh, ER time of healing and, and rectification. So all that different nuances and idea and, and energies throughout the year that we have access to, it's all concentrated, however, in Rosh Hashanah. At first, now he says, Rosh Hashanah doesn't feed the days of the year directly. Rosh Hashanah is going to send its energy down first to to more general distribution centers, and those distribution centers are going, to, are going to distribute it to the individual days. What are the distribution centers? Rosh Chodesh. There's 12 Rosh Chodeshes. Rosh Hashanah is going to deliver to Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Hashanah is going to give energy to Rosh Chodesh Cheshvan. Then it's going to give energy to Rosh Chodesh Kislev. And then, but any particular day can't access Rosh Hashanah. It has to access its distribution center, Rosh Chodesh. And that Rosh Chodesh is going to drive the energy from Rosh Hashanah. First it is divided to the 12 months of the year. The first day of the month is also called Rosh. It's also called a head, Rosh Chodesh. But it's not the head of the year, it's the head for only one month. As I said earlier, there is the one folder that contains all the 12 folders. But then once you open up that individual folder, it's only a folder for these 30 days. It doesn't have all 12 folders. Only Rosh Hashanah has all the 12. And you know, for instance, if I have folders, and by mistake I click delete, and I lost the folder, so it's much worse if I clicked 
on the general folder because then I lost that folder that had all the, all the subfolders inside of it. But if I only clicked and deleted one folder or one file, okay, it's terrible, but not as bad that if I would have deleted a, thought, a folder that's got 20 or 30 files. And worse than that, a folder that's got all the 12 folders that have... That's why if we chas v'shom delete Rosh Hashanah from our busies, we're busy with a king come to shul on Rosh Hashanah, we're too busy. That's a terrible thing. Rosh Hashanah is highly, highly, highly important. Achshem, etchilam eschalak to yud v'eschach Hashanah shebeyoyim rishin shebechodesh in the first day of every month. Nim shachay is klali, a general life force, lechodesh to the month. V'nikro lekach rosh chodesh, that's why it's called rosh chodesh. Shuchay is klali lechodesh, it is a general life force to one month. Umemenu meschalak achakach liyamim, and then it gets divided to days. Then it gets divided to hours, and to seconds. This is what the sages say. A person is judged every day. Even though in truth, now he's asking a question. If Rosh Hashanah, God decided everything in Rosh Hashanah, so then why does it say God judges us every day? A person is, re- is rejudged every day. If I'm already decided, already on Rosh Hashanah, why should I be rejudged every day? And the answer is, very important. Because in Rosh Hashanah, they're judging the person and deciding one's general energy. If they should even start to give the person this general life force, this energy for the, for the year. And nevertheless, we go over to the second column. There's also a judgment every day. If the person is fitting, for there to be a descent, from the general life, to the individual life. That it should be drawn, from the concealed, to the revealed. Meaning to say like this. Sometimes it's possible that God gave someone a very blessed Rosh Hashanah. Tremendous blessings. But if the person misbehaves, but the problem is God knows that God forbid we can all be be, be in our best behavior Rosh Hashanah until we get our yearly deposit and afterwards we can forget and not necessarily be consistent during the year with our promises and with our decisions that we made in Rosh Hashanah. So then what's going to happen then? Then we've already taken advantage, so to speak, from God. We promised Him all kinds of promises, and then we didn't keep it. But He's already given us, like Iran, got billions of dollars of America, and I don't care, right? So we don't want that to happen. So what does Hashem do? He keeps us on a leash. <laughs> Every day He has to rejudge us again. Why? Very simple. Because even though He gave it to us in Rosh Hashanah, can't access it yet. Because it's still... It's still up there in the spiritual place. In order for it to come down into our material life down here below, that has to happen on the daily increments. And you have to be worthy for it. If not, then the energy remains in a spiritual state. It's yours, it's in your account, but it's not going to materialize in material blessings that you need. You're going to experience when your soul one day goes up to heaven, the neshama is going to experience all these great delights that it got on Rosh Hashanah. But it never cashed it in. It remains uncashed. That's the idea. It's, it, that's why we need to be judged every day. Are you worthy that the blessings you got Rosh Hashanah should translate into your life today? Or maybe not. Ah, it's like he says, the, a lot of times a sad thing can happen. A person has, we said before we compared Rosh Hashanah to the brain. 
A person can have all the powers in their brain, but it could be that the power of vision that's in the brain is not, is not, is not manifesting in the eye. It's not going down in the vessel. Why? Because the eye is damaged. When the eye got damaged, God forbid, it doesn't mean that you're blind in your brain. In the brain, you're not blind, but in your eyes, you're blind. So then it doesn't, it's not, you know, you can't, one can't see because it's not registering in the vessel. But the, but, but, but the soul itself has everything. That's why you find that a blind person, when they have children, their children are not going to be blind. Though, hopefully. Just because the parent was blind, the child doesn't have to be born blind. Why? If, if the parent didn't have vision, how does the child get vision? If the, if the, child, if the parents are creating their children from them, they're creating their child. If the, parent, the answer is, the father is, and mother are creating their child from their brain, not from their particular organs. And the power is, the power, all the powers are whole in the brain. It's only sometimes there is a deficiency in the, in the particular organ. So since the father or mother, the parents have the vision, they can, even a, even a blind person, they can create the child with vision even though, they, even, even though they themselves couldn't actualize that vision. So you see from here that there's clearly, even if it's something is not taking place in a limb, it's still there in the body. Possibly it can also be that way in Rosh Hashanah. The brain of the year, first of all we have to make sure at Rosh Hashanah we try very hard. Not, and, it, and the preparation doesn't start on Rosh Hashanah, it starts now. Already we have a whole month of Elul to prepare so that we can be in a good place in Rosh Hashanah, so we can really evoke God's blessings in Rosh Hashanah. Because that's for sure, if you don't have it in the brain, then you can't get it any other later time of the year. So the first thing is we have to be very, very powerful in Rosh Hashanah. And Tul Yom Kippur, those 10 days, to be very, very strong because those days are the, bra- the brain of the year. Now, then, it doesn't mean that you run out of Yom Kippur out of shul by Myrav and you laugh and you say, hi, I got my, I got my suitcases, now I can do whatever I want. It doesn't work that way. Because every day, a person is still being judged if these blessings should materialize into the day. Ach, as he says, Hainu um, Shach, there's a judgment every day. If they're worthy for it to come from the general life to the particular life. What does that mean? It should be drawn from the concealed to the reveal. Even though a person has already been judged in Rosh Hashanah. Bamshach is highest quality with the general life force in a Efsher. It's possible. Efsher, who it is possible. should not come down from the general life. El agiloy to the revealed, but prat in the particular. Kamoisha Efsher, shalayimshach highest menamoach, aleza ever. Like it's possible that energy should not issue forth from the brain to a particular limb. And that the eye will not be able to see. And the leg will not be able to walk, even though it's there in the brain. And what's going to happen to the energy that belongs to that limb? Nishar b'moach remains in the brain. It remains unactivated in the brain. Behelem in its concealed state. It got stopped in the brain. And it did not get spread out and extending into the limbs. So it's possible. The specific life should remain it should remain in a general blessing of Rosh Hashanah, but it should not particularize into details. And then 
It doesn't mean that God forbid God is going to jip anybody off. If he gave it to you already, you're going to get it. But you're not going to get it in your particular condition that you're in right now. Since the person is not worthy right now on any given Tuesday in March, they're not necessarily worthy for that blessing. It's not going to come down. So it's going to remain up there uh, in a spiritual world. And you're going to get it one day. But Olam Elyon in a spiritual world, you're going to get an extra uh, dose of life. And this is the judgment every day whether we should be able to access access the uh, the uh, it's like it's like you can have something's money in an account but you can't you can they don't uh, the access is being blocked you can't withdraw the funds every day we have to go withdraw it he says look at what we said in Pasha's Korach it's spoken about there about Aaron about Kohanim that's the uniqueness of Birkat Kohanim by the way that the Kohanim should bless the people every day, the Kohanim, because the Kohanim have the special power in their blessings to actualize these blessings from the spiritual source, from Rosh Hashanah into the daily. That's why it's very important that Kohanim should do the Birkat Kohanim. Sfaradim are lucky because they get it every day. Ashkenazim don't have Birkat Kohanim every day. We only do it on the holidays. And there's a reason for it, a good reason. But that doesn't mean but Sfaradim that have it every day uh, there's a special uh, benefit to that. Why? Because Kohanim have the special ability to release the funds. It's like, it's like going into the bank and they don't let you release the funds, but you know there's one manager who has the special key or something that he can override the block on the computer and can access the funds. <laughs> so when you go to the Kohen for a blessing, he's got that special spiritual access code that he can, he can generate the blessings that you have in your account to materialize. Um, a general life force comes for the whole year. So that's every day. Every day of the year, we're taking from Rosh Hashanah down to the particular day. But on Rosh Hashanah, it's much deeper. On Rosh Hashanah, we have to generate the very, very seed from, from where that doesn't even exist. We have to create new life from nothing. And from we obviously, what does that mean? We need to reach God Himself. That's above creation, and God is going to now introduce new life from beyond time into time. General life for the whole year. This is literally new life. New life. Every day we're not getting new life. We're getting life that existed already in a concealed state. We're just actualizing it. Rosh Hashanah, we're creating something new. That's why Rosh Hashanah is called Tchilas Masecha. This is the beginning of your work. There's a new or and a new Chayos. To create the world. Because last year's Rosh Hashanah, the energy was only came for one year. God from last year when he created the world on Rosh Hashanah, when Hashem created the world on Rosh Hashanah, he created the world from beyond time into time only for one year. And the same is also at the beginning of the creation of the world. Hashem drew down energy on that Rosh Hashanah for one year, from beyond time, even the first year. Like it says, 
How do we see that that higher is beyond time? It says in the pasuk, a thousand years by God is like one day. That to him, that means that he's not living in the same experience of time. In his eyes, what by us takes a thousand years is by him goes by so quick it's a day. The lower we go, the longer time takes to unfold. But there it's all concentrated in one day. But he says, and even that, that we say, <coughs> but that would st- still seem to imply that by God there's also time. It's just that he, what, what, what over here manifests as a thousand years, I'll give you an example to that. We human beings in space, in space we can see that. Um, we human beings, um, when we walk you know, across what to us is considered very quick space to walk across the room, but for a little ant, this is a journey, this is a whole pilgrimage for an ant to get from that end of the room to the other end of the room. It could be like a lifetime journey as he's making, he's trudging his way across this vast, it's like, it's like a quarter of his life that he's busy going across the field because he's so tiny and so small. And for us, it's so you can imagine by God, so what us takes a thousand years is by him just a day. But that seems to imply that by Hashem there's also time. So he says, no, that's a certain level. And in truth, there's even higher than that by God Himself where there's no time at all. So now Hashem has to create and bring the energy down from completely beyond time into time. And that happens on Rosh Hashanah. We're holding over here. The 6,000 years they have Alma that the world was, they're only six days. I am Betshuvah Saraj Bechei, like Aleph, Seif Simen Yud, Tess, Veresh Simen Tavchov Gimel. Eric talks about this. But this is also considered time, because after all, a thousand years. And then there is even something above this. There's no time at all. And on a higher level, God includes all the time of the 6,000 years, that means all of history, in one flash. One scan, he's one thought, it's all there, all the 6,000 years. And from that very high transcendental place, where all of existence is just one thought, from there is where we have to draw down the energy into this particular year. And then what happens on the following Rosh Hashanah? On the following Rosh Hashanah, which is called a Chag, a, 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 a holiday where the moon gets covered. What does that mean? Why is there an emphasis? The sages say that on Rosh Hashanah, the, which, which, the sages say, which holiday is, because Rosh Hashanah is called Bakese. So the sages say it's referring to Rosh Hashanah because it's the holiday where the moon is covered. What's the idea? The idea is the moon represents Malchut. And Malchus is the energy of creation. Because Malchus, we're going to see in the next piece, when God wants to be a king, that kingship is the source of creation. So when we're saying time and space is renewed, and uh, creation is renewed, we're really saying that kingship is being renewed. And kingship is the moon. So what happens in Rosh Hashanah? On Rosh Hashanah we say there is no moon. Rosh Hashanah by night. It's dark. There is no moon. Why is there no moon? Because the energy of the moon expired. What's the energy of the moon? The energy of God's kingship. That expired. 
There is no kingship. And if there's no kingship, it means there's no empire. And if there's no empire, it means there's no creation. There's no world. So, but why is it gone? Why is the sage that's Rosh Hashanah? Rosh Hashanah is the time that the moon is gone. Ah, it's saying there's no life. It's a life. It's a holiday when there's no life, and, and there's a whole bo- there's a whole bunch of life. We generate life. We're gonna blow shofar, and we're gonna get the life kicking. We're gonna get it kicking really good. And the Alter Rebbe says in the Tanya that we're learning right now in today's Tanya. In today's Tanya, every day we learn a little piece of Tanya. So in today's Tanya of Chitas, the Alter Rebbe says that every year God falls in love with His world even deeper than, than the year before. When we bring life to the world from year to year, it keeps on getting higher and deeper and more and more and more thrilling to Hashem, the creation. And therefore God invests Himself every year into creation on a deeper level than the year before. Okay? But, 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 but Rosh Hashanah by night, there's a withdrawal. There's a threatening moment. The energy from last year, Euler rose up. And it concealed itself. The Nichlal B'mekoro became absorbed in its source. And through the shofar and the prayers. That's, that's the key. Through the shofar and our prayers, when we daven, Nimshach Or V'chayis Chodosh Mamish, we literally are pumping. Look at your siddur, look at your machser, look at your place that you're sitting in shul as a massive pump. We're pumping energy for the entire year. Every word you say, every word, hodu, pump, Hashem, pump, kiru, pump, Bishmo and his name, every word you say, you're pumping energy. Don't get tired, Rosh Hashanah. Like, oh, okay. Because then, you know, you, you can't, next week, you don't have, the, you can't pump. The pump is only on on, on only on Rosh Hashanah, only these 48 hours, you can keep on pumping that pump and bling down massive blessings. New light and new energy. Mamish, literally, for the next year. That's why it's called the beginning of your actions. It's literally the beginning. Oh, if so, why did we say it's only a remembery to the first year? Remember we asked the question, why is it only a memory to the first time? Nevertheless, it's only a remembrance of the first day. The first time, the first time it happened on its own. Because God desires kindness. God did it out of His own volition. There was no, there was no, there was no judge. There was no one to judge. He did it because He wanted to. But now, now it's depend. It's like a company the first day. A restaurant, a lot of times, they give out free food. Just that everybody should get, get a feel of it. Come by, you'll get a free burger. <laughs> the first day. Afterwards, you've got to pay for it. So the first year, God gave a free lunch. He created the world for one year free. But afterwards, it's dependent on our behavior. From the previous year. And like, sad, like we see. Not all years are equal. Sometimes there is a wonderful year that everybody, the economy is kicking, everybody's doing really well, there's a lot of blessings in the world. The Alter Rebbe doesn't want to say it, there's sometimes a year that's the opposite, it's a little bit of a dry year. And that can be because there's a lack 
it's, we were judged on what was before. And when there was a lack of mitzvot and lack of merit, chas v'shalem. So hopefully we have a good year, right? It's dependent on the, the arousal from below. From the previous year. Eich, how it was, umashahi, and how it was. The imkain, and if so, at Ebchinas Rosh Hashanah da'ata, so the Rosh Hashanah that we're experiencing now, Hubchinas dinu mishpat, it's a manner of judgment. Va'afalpi, but nevertheless, Shachesed gover aladin, that even though today it's based on judgment, even today kindness still has more muscle power over the judgment. Kindness is stronger than the judgment. And how do you see that? That's why we read on Rosh Hashanah, one of the things we read on Rosh Hashanah is the portion of the binding of Yitzchak. What's the idea? There's something very deep over here. The reason we read the portion of the binding of Yitzchak, Isaac, on Rosh Hashanah, is because on Rosh Hashanah, Yitzchak is the attribute of judgment. Avram is the attribute of kindness. We want to harness the judgment. We want to put Yitzchak in handcuffs. We don't want to allow Yitzchak to be too free because that would mean that the judgment would, act, would become too powerful, too strong. So therefore, we bind Yitzchak, we tie him. What it really means is we're, we're, we're restraining the judgment. And who is doing it? Avram is doing it. That means kindness is, is overpowering the judgment of Yitzchak. You ever thought about that? That's why we're reading Akedas Yitzchak. That Avram should, uh, be, 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 um, should bind Yitzchak his son. What does that mean? It's the secret. His gabrus hachasadim Avram, the kindness of Avram, is prevailing al agvuros the Yitzchak over the over the gvura of Yitzchak v'hamtakas hadin, and there is the sweetening of the judgment. Alpha became nevertheless a nedoim liyom rishon mamish. But so even though today's days. We also have a lot of kindness, but it's not compared to the first year. Over there it just was pure kindness. There it was only on his own. Because he desired kindness. There was no one there to evoke. And corresponding to this level, it's a remembrance to the first day. It's a remembrance to the first day. Bama, how is it similar to the first day? Sha'afa became, because even though it's the character of the time of our Rosh Hashanah is different, but still it's similar to the first day. The Gavura gets sweetened. Not, but not like the first time, literally, where there it was purely kindness. There was un- unadulterated kindness, there was no judgment at all. We can also say a remembrance to the first day means not describing what is happening, but Zikar and Leom Rishon is saying that through our, we are, see, the first Pirish was, even today, the kindness has power over the judgment. The second explanation that he's adding now maybe means today is the day of the beginning of your work, but it's being done with judgment. Zikaran Leom Rishon, we are trying to evoke the first day, which is Chesed. That's our work to overpower the judgment. We are being Zocher. 
we are being evoking as Yom Arishon the first day, Umagbirim, and we are uh, overpowering Midas Achesed, the Midah of kindness, Shebchenas Yitzchak Yuchlau Bebchenas Avram, that Yitzchak should be included in Avram Avinu. That, that Yitzchak should be, that Avram should be able to absorb Yitzchak into him. That means that Yitzchak should be sweetened in the, it's like lemonade. And you want, and you want to put in, a, you want to pour the lemonade into, into a thing, thing with a lot of sugar in it to sweeten the lemon of the lemonade. So that means Yitzchak should be absorbed in Avram's sweetness. By Havi, Avram by Havi, which is Chesed. Ayin B'zoyer Parshish Vayikra. Okay. This what the sages tell us. Say before me verses of kingship and Rosh Hashanah. There's a, there's a Gemara that says that God says to the Jewish people, Say before me verses of kingship and Rosh Hashanah so you should make me king. Say before me verses of remembrance so that, you sh- that I should remember you for good. And how will you do all of that with the shofar? That's what the sages say. That's what we know. In our davening, we, our Musaf prayer has special verses that we say that God is king. Special verses that say that God remembers us for good. And special verses that speak about the shofar. And each one of them is accompanied by blasts of the shofar. And this is what... So now he explains the deeper meaning. What does it mean, say before me verses of kingship so that you will, king, you will make me king over you? It doesn't only mean so that you will acknowledge that I am king. Simply the way everybody learns this until the Alter Rebbe comes along and explains it to us. It means say before me verses of kingship so that you will acknowledge me as your king. But the Alter Rebbe says it's much deeper. No, you will literally make me king. Because when God becomes a king, what does that mean? He's, when God becomes a king means he's open for business for another year. That's what it means he's a king. Because if he's not a king means he decided going out of business. Meaning that the business of, be, of creation has no reason anymore. Because again, what's creation? Creation has one content. God is a king over the world. Through creation, God can be a king. So therefore, when God says, make, say before me verses of kingship so that you will make me king over you, it means literally, draw me down to be a king, to invest myself, to create the worlds. Unbelievable, we don't even realize. Ugh, I wish I could, you know, when we stand Rosh Hashanah and we're going to start davening Shavon Esrei, the Musaf prayers, do you have any idea every verse you say over there? Every verse. I'm, the, I'm sitting over here thinking when I'm doing it, Oi, am I taking too long? Is the, do I have to already finish so that, so that we can go like this in the middle of the quiet Shimon Esrei so that the Baltokea knows when he can blow? That's where my mind is going. Is it slow? Or am I taking, I'm getting too lost over here and thinking. I, but if you realize what's going on, every verse you're saying, you're actually constructing the cosmos. You're, you're, it's like... One pasuk that one Jew says, one of those verses is echoing, is reverberating through higher and higher and higher and higher and reaching, whoa! And from there, reaching God Himself. And from there, building an empire for Hashem. Unbelievable. And that's the meaning, you will make me king over you. 
you you need to evoke this with the arousal from below you will make me king over you that it should be drawn the revelation of life the attribute of God's kingship with this we concluded chapter 1 and now we're going to go on to chapter 2 and then we'll take a break what does it mean you should crown me, that you should make me king over you? Who? Kinoida. What does that mean? So he's now going to develop this idea of kingship. That all of time and space is built on the, on the attribute of God being a king. And he's going to explain that really there's two levels of divine energy or divine life force. One is called the Soviv Kalam, the encompassing light, God's transcendence, transcending creation. And then there's another level of God's energy that's called Mamala Kalam, which means He fills all worlds, which means God's imminence. So there's two energies, God's imminence and God's transcendence. Now, according to what we're learning over here, we're not impacting the transcendent elements of God. We're not impacting on Rosh Hashanah. That's not the Rosh Hashanah exercise. Because the God's transcendence, that's God. He's above the world, higher than the world. That's what we spoke earlier. The energy goes back beyond time and space. That's the Soviv Kalam. What we need to impact on Rosh Hashanah is, we need to draw God's transcendence into God's imminence. That He should be present and imminent in time and space. That's called, we have to draw forth the Mamale Kalam. And the Mamala Kalama, which means God fills all the world, which means He lowers Himself down into time and space to create all the details and details of details in creation, all the way down to each and every one of us and all our particular needs. That power of God getting involved in our lives is Hashem's kingship. Because it's through His kingship that He relates to the world. It's an attribute of kingship. And that's the idea that we have to create the kingship, we have to recreate the moon. That's why it's an interesting thing. According to Kabbalah, the main thing of Rosh Hashanah is not even the creation of Adam HaRishon. It's not the creation of Adam. According to Kabbalah, the main, the main idea of Rosh Hashanah is the creation of Chava, the creation of Eve. Because Adam and Chava, Adam represents the transcendental energy of God. Chava represents Shechina, kingship. She, so in Kabbalah, everything is, the entire Rosh Hashanah experience, what we accomplish through the Tekiah Shofar, is all about building the rib. Taking the rib of Adam, separate, because what's, understand something, you have the infinite light, then we have to pull a little rib off from that, and that becomes the imminent light of time and space, the imminence, the presence of God within. And that means constructing the rib, building the kingdom, Building Malchut, Malchut is feminine, that's Chava, that's the Shechina. And that's what we have to renew, and that's what we have to create on Rosh Hashanah. That idea is going to explain over here. There are two levels, the indwelling light of God, the soif of Kalalman, and the encompassing light of Hashem. Pidish Memala Kalalman, the Memala Kalalman Uachayus is the energy Shemislavish Ba'olamos that becomes enclosed in the world's Lafim Adrigasam according to their level, Lakolechot Ve'echot to each one. Kifum Shiuda delay every level according to its measure. Nisham is Kach, Nisham is so, Imalachim Kach, and angel so. Everybody receives their particular. 
That's, that's the indwelling light. Hashem is giving life to every creature and every being in a different way. This is the power of the maker. That is enclosed in the thing that is being made. Literally inside of it. That's like a craftsman that makes something. He invests his creative energy into the parts, into the particular parts. And there's a different kind of energy in the different pieces of what he's creating and what he's making. Each one is different. Until that translates even in the physical. There isn't a blade of grass that doesn't have a spiritual mazel that is, that is beating it and saying it grow, grow, grow. That's what the sages say. That means What that means is that there's a spiritual power encouraging every existence to exist. Each thing to... V'oymer like God will grow. What does that mean? Hashem is particularly involving himself, drawing life, befrat in a very individualized manner, to this blade of grass, individually. And it goes higher and higher. You have grass down here, and then you have an angel, and you have an higher angel, and a higher angel, all the different worlds. And even higher. And in each one of them, according to its quality, and its level. So is the life from the Creator, which is drawn which is drawn like the order of levels. It says by Hashem, for my honor, which we know corresponds to the world of Atzilut, the highest world. And then Hashem diminishes His energy lower to create the world of Berea, a lower world, a world of creation. From there He diminishes His energy even more, Yetzartiv, He creates, He forms the world of formation. And Afasisiv, and finally Hashem comes down to create and complete the work of creation by creating the physical, material cosmos, the universe, the physical worlds. Shein Gimel these are the three worlds, Berea, Yetzir, and Asiya. The Bria Yetzir and Asiya, which we mentioned before, which each, which in each one there is a different measure of light, life, ubefrat, and particularly kama oylem and there are particularly within each of these three, there's many different worlds, ubriam and creations. Laein kates v'tachlis, there's no end to how many creatures and beings there are. Mamish, the koyach haboyrim alubish mamish pechol echod veechod mehem, and the power of the Creator is enclosed in each and every one of them. Lefi erkoy according to their quality. Just like you see, gives an example from Earth. The Earth gives growing energy, gives gives uh, yeah, vegetation power to s- millions of different types of plants. Right, the same Earth, the same Earth creates a papaya. And the same earth creates a, uh, a, um, a uh, whatever, a, a horseradish. It, it, they're so different in taste and texture and color and, and a flower and a grass and, a, and an apricot. And a, I mean, there's so many different types of fruits and vegetables and, the, and it's, all this, it's all energy from the earth and each one in their own, but it's giving a different quality to a banana and a different quality to a watermelon, Right? So the same is also God. He's particularly investing himself into each creation. So, to all different types of vegetation, Rabim, that's in the world, that are different. And this is called the indwelling light of God. 
but the soul wave energy, as we spoke earlier, God's transcendence. This is light. This is light and energy. We turn over the page. It is higher than than the progressive descending light where he's adapting it to each individual level. And becoming enclosed in the world. And corresponding to this level, it says, the level where God is remaining on high and not descending to the world. On that level it says, I, God, have not changed. You see, the lower level is really changing. Shechina is very changing. Shechina is changing and adapting herself to every, to every nook and cranny of time and space. Shechina is, that's over there, of course there is change. But there is a level of God where he's not impacted by anything because he's infinitely above it. And that's where Hashem says, I have not changed. Va'amru, and we also say in Daviding, Atahu, you are the one, Atshalo Nivra Oilam, before the world was created. Umishanivra, and after the world was created, you are exactly the same. Creation didn't impact you. Creation hasn't made the slightest dent in God. Bishava Mamish, he's equal, as if it never happened. Shalukhaira ain't a moment, it's not understood. Heichu, how can God remain unscathed by all of creation? He is, the worlds are living off Him. And He's sustaining them. What does that mean? The power of God is enclosed in them. If He's enclosed in them, how does He remain unchanging? He's enclosed in them. There's a change. Before He created them, He wasn't enclosed in them. And now that He created them, He became enclosed in them. What do I mean by that? Let's take a human being. Example. You, before you walked into this class, your, your, breath, your head was free. You were able to think all kinds of stuff. You are able to just, your mind can swirl in all directions. You had a free, calm mind. Right now, I'm taking your head and pushing it into these ideas, right? So you're enclosing it into one particular subject of Rosh Hashanah and the like. So you're investing your mind into your brain power into something individual and something specific. So a change happened. Before that, your mind was free, not occupied with a particular study, and now your mind is invested in a particular study. So there was a change. So it's the same as with God. Before He created the world, He wasn't thinking us into existence. Now when He creates the world, He's thinking us into existence. He's investing Himself. So so that's change. So how can we say that God didn't change? And the answer is, these are two levels in in, 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 in the divine. There is Hashem Himself, which by God Himself, He's not impacted by creation at all. He's not invested in creation. Then there is what's called His Shekhinah. That's His attribute of kingship. That's considered only an external ray of Him. That external ray contracts itself and delves and dives into the particular, into the creation to create it, to sustain it. And yes, on that level, Hashem is changing. But that's the, that's the indwelling light, not the. But we can still say God doesn't change because who He really is totally not impacted. It's only a ray of Him, so to speak, that's involved and 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 um, and uh, becoming invested. Let's use the best word: invested into into creation. So He says, "Ella rather." Because the ray hamachaya because the ray that creates all the worlds kulam hu raka arachitzaynis 
it's only an external ray bilvad alone meatzmuso yisbarach from Hashem from God's essence. And this ray doesn't impact him at all. It doesn't affect any change in him. Because the life force of all the worlds is only like it says in the Zohar, in the, uh, in the, in the Zohar I want to be a king. So it's only from his kingship. And kingship is external. But the attribute of God's kingship from this that God calls himself a king, and from this that Hashem elevates himself, this is their life. It's an, amazing, it's an amazing idea he just said. Our energy comes, what's giving us existence? We really don't, don't exist. What's giving us existence is Hashem, Hashem, making himself king over us, by him rising above us and saying, I'm your king, that very idea that he is now, his sovereignty over us, that's the energy that's creating us. That means that our, when are we the truest to our, here's an amazing thing, when are we the truest to who we really are? When we're subjugated to God's kingdom. Then we're really, really true, because what are we really? What are we at our truest point? What? Is, is the power that's creating us. That power creating us is creating us out of what? The fact that he, that, the fact that God is a king, that fact is sustaining all of creation. That's it. It's that establishment. I'm your king. That with, with that idea and with that notion and with that establishment, that itself, and it's not like after he's a king, now he has to figure out how he's going to create us. No, no, no. It's the very notion. When the moment he decided, I'm a king over Yanko, Yanko comes into existence. I'm a king over Goldie, right? She comes into existence. You come into existence when? When God decides he wants to be a king over you. That very desire that he wants to be a king and that very kingship creates the creation. That's the energy of Hashem that sustains and brings forth the creation. That's why sometimes when we feel that when we listen to God and do His will, we're kind of like suppressing ourselves and going against who we are. It's false. We are the healthiest and the strongest when we're in submission to Hashem's will because that's our energy. That's our true existence. That's when we're really alive. So now, um, the, the, this that God has called a king over us, that itself is our energy. But this very level is not God, it's only a ray of Him. And this, this ray, this kingship element doesn't touch Him at all. Like a king. A king of flesh and blood, even though he's like in charge over his entire country and everything, and he's the king over them, but he's a person. He's got a whole persona. He's got a whole human being. He's got a whole set. He's got a whole reality to him that no one even in the in the in the in the country or the people know. He's got he's got a private life. He's got, and in addition to that, he, he's his king, and he's renowned. What 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 part of him, so to speak, engages? The subject is his name, is renowned, that he calls himself king over them. That renown, that 
That's their power. But by a king, the renown of the king, the name of the king, is only governing the people. It's not creating the people. But by God, the name of God called upon something, and his, his kingship, his renown, and his fame, and so on and so forth, that itself is, the, is creating everything, is creating the, the creation. And this that a king is called king over the countries. It's not like the king's very essence is being spread out into the country, into the provinces. His name is called upon them. This is what the sages say. Before the world was created. So before the world was created, this ray... When we're saying now that God creates all the world through a ray, a ray, a ray of energy. That ray, before God created the world, that ray was within the source. And it was not, it was not noticeable. It was just the potential to God to create the world was inside of him, but like a potential that was not, that is not active. So it was a ray inside the sun that no one knows, no one sees. So that's what the sages say, before the world was created, his name was inside of him, and he was him and his name alone. After, when he decided to create, he projected his name. And that name, what's the name? That I am your king. And that name is the creative power of creation. Mufla is above and higher than them. And he's called encompassing all worlds. That's what will also explain another fascinating thing. We refer to creation as yesh me'ayin, something from nothing. Now why is creation called something from nothing if it's something from God? God created it. The answer is, it's coming from God, but it's coming from nothing in God. It's coming from a ray, which that ray is considered nothing. To Hashem, the ray is nothing. So it's actually being created from nothing. Something from nothing, key. Because, here's the idea. If Hashem would truly be investing Himself into creation, not His name, but he, then we couldn't call it nothing. When one thing is evolving into the next thing, the cause is impacted by the effect that's coming from it. And His influence into Him causes a change, boy. In him, because the essence of the emanator is enclosed in the emanation. It's like the muscle of a progression, a chain. From intellect to emotions, and from emotions to thought. The substance of intellect itself is enclosed in the emotions. And the same is also emotions in thought. The Rebbe is trying to explain to us that God's creation of the world is not like another system where one thing causes something else. You see, there is a system within, within the human experience we call cause and effect. Where you say, when you have, if I have an a, 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 uh, intellectual per understanding of something, and I understand something really well, and as a result of that, that's going to flow, that's going to, translate into an excitement. I'll get excited about that which I've just learned about that I didn't know before. Now I learned about it and now I got excited. For example, we're spending now already uh, about over an, over an hour, about an hour and 20 minutes, maybe longer, an hour and a half, and we're learning about Rosh Hashanah. 
said, everybody knew Rosh Hashanah is coming, but now you have something really to be excited about Rosh Hashanah because you have all this information now. And all this information about the richness and the power and the awesomeness of the day. Whoa! So now it's not, so now this, these ideas which were once in your mind could and should create an emotional response. An excitement about Rosh Hashanah and a trepidation. A love and a fear. Because these are really awesome things happening and you're afraid that you're going to miss the boat. We don't want to. We want to be able to be our best. We want to have a good year next year. So we want, we realize the, the responsibility. It's like really big. So, but, but here's the idea. <coughs> when the intellect creates the emotion, the way the intellect creates the emotion is that the intellect itself flows into the emotion. The idea, the intellect is the, cons, is the, is the source, the cause. The emotion is the effect. But the intellect is like lending itself into the emotion. And that's why the intellect is impacted by the emotion. But, but um, with God, it's not that way. He's not creating the world in a way that he is influencing the next level in a manner where they're getting a grasp on him. He remains totally aloof from what he's creating. He, not the Shekhinah. The Shekhinah element is getting involved. But yesh me'ayin is not that way. The life force of all the worlds, the asha behem and that which is in them, that's coming from the emanator. is not from God at all, from his essence. It's literally from nothing. Because the abish does malchus alone, mechaya oisam enlivens them, kiniskali el, as we said before. Where over there he explains that. And this ray, the ray that, that creates and sustains the world, is called the indwelling light. This is the life force that is enclosing itself in the world. The power of the maker, and the thing that is being made. And in every Rosh Hashanah who shedim sheches mechadosh, this indwelling light, this malchut, this ray, has to be drawn from the source anew. God's energy into time and space. His desire to be a king, to want to be a king over the world. He shedim sheches mechadosh. This is what's brought down new. Ki b'chol Rosh Hashanah, because on every Rosh Hashanah, lo nimshach b'chines meluchazu, God's desire to be a king was not drawn last year, to be a king, only for one year. It retracts and it goes back up. The life of last year became reabsorbed in its source. In the king that is exalted on such a high, very, very high level. Like before the worlds were created. Just like we said earlier, that before God created the world, what happened with His name? His name was absorbed in Him. The ray was inside the source. Let's think about it. Last year's energy, all the occurrences that happened last year, or the year before, or three years ago, what happened to history? Where is the energy? Where is the world? Where is that power? It was reabsorbed in God Himself. Very powerful thought. Everything that happened last year was reabsorbed in Hashem because the energy went back up and now there's a new sustaining power for this year. Last year's energy, the ray, the power of Hashem that's creating everything, went back in like a ray being reabsorbed in its source. That's why we have to make sure that our actions that we're doing 
should be worthy that when they go back into God, they shouldn't, God forbid, be causing any kind of discomfort to Hashem. That we're giving Him something, because we, what we're doing this year is going to be next year in Hashem. I'm not saying the action, but the energy that we form, because our actions actually have an imprint on the energy creating it. We leave a mark on that energy. And if we create beautiful, beautiful things with that energy, then that beauty goes into the Creator and is satisfying. But if we, chas v'shalom, put not good things on that energy, so that energy, when it's reabsorbed in the source, is, is so to speak, a painful thing up there, whatever you can... It goes into a state of like it says, It says that Hashem, your God, is a consuming fire. Why is Hashem compared to like a fire? The nature of fire is that it's always, always traveling back to its source. So to the energy that Hashem emanates into the world, the Shekhinah is always clamoring to go back into its source. That's why at the end of the year, she goes back. So Hashem has to recreate her every year. Re-re. It retracts above. That's why Hashem says, Say before me verses of kingship. So that you will make me king over you. You will draw down a new will. To the attribute of kingship. So that Hashem can say, I will be a king. This means drawing new light. From the encompassing light. Into the imminent light. Into the indwelling light. We want to draw down a new energy into our existence and so forth. Now we're beginning the second half of this second chapter. And now the Rebbe explains this is also the idea of remembrance. Why we say remembrance. That's why and afterwards it says say verses of remembrance. Because now we'll understand what does it mean remembrance? We're asking God to remember us for good. Does God forget anything? God can't forget. We forget. God doesn't forget. Why are we saying remember us? And the answer is like this. Since <coughs> this little ray is such a tiny little ray to God, the energy of all of creation is such a tiny, tiny, little, little, little crumb of a crumb of a crumb of a little nothing. Conceptually, it's possible to forget it. That's a pretty frightening thought that God can forget that He created ever a cosmos, right? So, but that's the idea, because it's so insignificant. The fact that we're saying remember means because it's so minute and so small, we have to actually say, Hashem, remember this thought that you once had to create a world. Oh, that, 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 that thought? Yeah, yeah, keep that thought in your mind. With the world and everything, and create, recreate it. There's a way of analogy. When you tell someone remember something, it's usually about something that you're afraid the person will forget. Why does, a, why does a wife get so upset at her husband when he forgets the things she tells her to do? Okay, I, okay I'm guilty, I know, fine. But why? Why does, it, why does a wife get so upset? Because what she's really saying, the reason she's upset is that you're not forgetting the thing. I'm not important to you. Because if I would be important, then you wouldn't forget that what I need. It's because you're not thinking about me because I'm not important. That, that, that's really the complaint. It's like, what? 
something is very important, you don't have to say remember. You remember automatically, because it's like, it's like such an important thing. Okay? So, the, the, if we're saying to Hashem, remember the world, must mean that the world itself, um, by, based on their own value, are very insignificant. Once we do mitzvahs, and we do Hashem's will, then they become significant. But the essential worlds themselves, nothing. Piddish al derech marshal ki azikar, and just like remember, shetzarech liskar al adover, you have to remember a matter. Ein eshayich el adover arachik b'meno. It's only possible on something that's distant from you. The makim, if something is far away from you, you can say forget it. Don't forget because it's far. Oy be'erech or something that is considered a small little thing. Shal shayich loimer, then it's possible to say as adloshen zikarin. You tell someone remember. She yiskarol if you remember it. V'lo yishkach maliba. Don't forget it from your heart. When something is right next to you, you can't have a remembrance. The same is also understood above Indian Zikarin, the idea of Zikarin. We say but to God, let our remembrance come before you. And the reason is, that's because in truth, the life force of all the worlds, whether the lower worlds, whether the higher worlds, in truth, in front of Hashem, they are considered not, they're like a drop from the Atlantic Ocean. All the worlds are like one drop in the ocean. Because all their main energy, they're all being sustained from one thought. What's that one thought? I want to be a king. That was one one thought. Just like a person has a gazillion thoughts, and that's just one thought. So it's only one thought. It came, it arose in Hashem's thought, of Havus, that he should bring about and the emanation of the world. And this is called the primordial thought. And just like the nullification of a thought, just like one thought is totally insignificant to the soul, and how much more so to God, the, the, the one thought of the universe is nothing to Him. It's absolutely nothing. So we're asking Him, please remember it. When everything goes back to the way it was before creation, so that thought kind of becomes even smaller and tiny. We are asking Hashem, you should remember on that initial thought. That as it, as it arose then, at the beginning of the emanation of the world's canal. It's literally nothing. The doesn't have any comparison, any value to him. That's why we are requesting Zochreinu, remember us. remember this. and he should return. to re enclose himself. in that thought. And this is what it says. The Abish the remembers the actions of the world. Then he remembers all Yitzurei Kedem, all Yitzurei Kedem, all the 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 formations from from the very very beginning. We need God to remember it. And we conclude Zoycher Abris. He remembers the covenant, and he brings a bunch of. Of sources over here till the end of the parak, explaining this, uh, explaining this idea.
uh, that are just a bunch of so let's read it we might as well we're learning the whole thing we might as well read it I am the paradise looking paradise be'erech hakinuyim erech zechira in the erech where he talks about zechira remembrance for I am bereim ahem the pashas pinchas looking zohar pashas pinchas tafresh lametesam adalif pashas ekev and a pashas ekev I'll pass it asker eshemi I remember my name or pidrish or ramaz shom for I am ashakas de ramaz al oisri lagefem a pidrish mekache shemecha I am bizarre pastures, Vayakel, Sefer, Zikoroin, Train Dargan, the Inun Chad, Veroza Da, Shem Avaya, Shem Chad, Havaya, Chad, whatever, Bizarre pastures, Yisroi. I am Ashakosal, Pasha Shlach, Apostle, Hartem, is called Mitzvahs, Mantizkaru, Sefer, Ramaskal, Zachar, Sem, Shabbos, being Zachar, Shomer, Vayan Oid Bizarre. These are all look over here and look over here, and it gives you a whole bunch of things to look up. Which is zecharim, which also means remembrance. Whatever. I was lazy to look up these sources. I will tell you exactly that. But in any case, I didn't look them up. Now we're going to take a little break before we begin um, chapter 3. This, the next chapter is going to explain the power of the shofar. How do we trigger all of this? How do we get God back to be invested? What's the real? Till now we spoke what's going on. Now how do we get Hashem back into it? We use the shofar for that. Why is the shofar so powerful? Be'ezrus uh, Hashem, probably after the break, I would say another hour and 15 minutes. All right. Okay, everyone. Coffee break is over. It's time to learn. All right. We're holding over here <coughs> on page 116, chapter 3. And the Gemara says, how do we accomplish all of this? We do it with a shofar. So to understand, how does the shofar go, how does the shofar accomplish to regenerate a, the, a, a, the Hashem's power to be redrawn again back into creation for another year. So he's going to say that is con- that is particularly connected to the idea. Shofar is a means of very, very, very powerful prayer. All the prayer that we, all the prayer that we usually pray, all is usually prayer. How do we pray? We pray with words. I say to heal him. We don't. That's our prayer. Shofar is also a prayer. But shofar is not a prayer with words. It's a prayer without words. Because it's emanating from the very, 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 very deepest place in the heart. A place, or let's say even deeper than that. It's emanating from a deep place in the heart, which is a vessel, or which is the seat for the deepest dimension of the neshama. And um, the part of the neshama that is not sophisticated the part of the neshama that's beyond all sophistication, the part of the neshama that's the pure, pure, pure raw energy of the soul, and the soul in its most um, base state, 
And that's the pure, simple cry of the neshama. And what does that do? See, in order to reach God and to excite Hashem to want to be a king, we need to petition Him in being a king. But we can't petition Him in being a king once He left the throne. As long as He's sitting on the throne, you can talk to Him. But once He left the throne and He's way back up there in the heavens above, above the heavens, He's back, back, totally into Himself to the point that the worlds don't exist. So nothing exists. So anything you're going to say, whatever, is meaningless on this level. The only thing that can touch and inspire and stimulate Hashem is a piece of Himself. And that's the neshama. The souls are really a piece of God from above. But the souls themselves exist on two levels. The souls exist, the, once a soul comes down into the world, or even, even in the upper worlds, when the souls are formed as souls, they become like creations. They, become, they enter into creation, and they become creations. Creation has zero significance, Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. Once God withdraws from creation, creation has zero significance. So if the neshama is going to approach God as a creation, it's going to be meaningless words. It's going to be meaningless. So the neshama can't approach God as a creation. The soul has to cry out from, the, from its essence, where the neshama is not a, creating, a creation, but the, the soul is a pure divine spark, peace of God from above. And that kind of a cry is not sophisticated cry. That kind of a cry is a, is a cry that doesn't have any words. It's just a pure, essential, and what he's really going to explain, it's the desire of the soul to, to reconnect to its source. That's what it is. It's the desire of the neshama. To, when the neshama feels the source withdrawing, the neshama cries out that the source should come back. But that cry is not, a, is not a cry with reason and logic. It's just the purest cry of, of the neshama when it feels pain from its separation, from its disconnect. So it's not a, it's not a rational, it's not a, ra- a reasonable. Once Hashem, meaning it's not words inspired through intellectual cognition. It's words inspired by just deep pain of feeling this separation and wanting to reunite. Included in this pain is the, the pain that comes along by all the mistakes and all that we've done in the past year that have caused our soul to become more and more and more distant and separated from its source. So all that pain suddenly comes to the surface and, and, and bellows out in that cry of the shofar. And so it's a simple cry without words. And only that cry can reach God. No other sound can reach Hashem. And that cry calls Hashem back into being a, crea- a king over the world for another year. Let's read it inside. <speaking in Hebrew> How do we accomplish it? <speaking in Hebrew> What's the shofar? <speaking in Hebrew> it's a simple cry. Shenimshach <speaking in Hebrew> That is drawn from the Hevel Alev, from the pure, from the breath of the heart. That's a sound coming from, because when you're, when you're blowing shofar, the sound is coming from the person blowing in the breath of the heart. It's not like speech. Speech is a product of the mind. 
Speech comes from words, from letters. They come from the brain. Which is the created part of us. Once you're dealing already with words and so on and so forth, that's already, it's already related to the idea of the spherot. It's attributes, it's worldly elements. Because the letters of speech. Because let's trace the letters of speech. When a person says something, where did these letters come from? The letters of speech. They stem from the letters of thought. Because you can't say, say something unless you thought it. And the letters of thought. They come from the intellect. So the intellect creates the thoughts. Like we spoke about last week, how the Bina, how remember we spoke about how the parchment, that's the Chachma, and then from the Chachma comes the Bina, which are the words, which are first letters of thought. We learned about this last week. We were learning about letters. But the simple cry, is coming from the breath of the heart. It's higher than the intellect. What he's saying is, in order to, to cry out Hashem right now, you have to cry out from the deepest part of your being, from the highest part of your neshama. And he says like this, usually we think, we spoke earlier, the whole discussion at the beginning of the Mimer was of how the brain is so the superior organ, and the brain is the highest. Even in the heart, it conducts and has... And suddenly now he's going to turn it around, and he's going to say that the heart in some ways is higher than the brain. And how does it work? So the way it is explained is as follows. Because there's two parts to the heart. Heart in general, is in, in, in Hasidic philosophy, heart is always associated with emotion. And brain is associated with uh, intelligence. And generally we, know that, generally we know that intelligence, that intellect is higher than emotion. Not only is it higher than emotion, it precedes emotion and it creates emotion. And it, and it directs the emotions. Because <coughs> a, a little child has silly emotions. When you grow older, your emotions become a little less silly, hopefully, because, the, because the, the brain educates the emotions. So you see that emotion has to, be, has to be guided and influenced by the mind. So the mind is higher than the heart, physically also. The mind is up here and the heart is down here. So the mind. But just like physically we see that the brain, that the heart receives from the brain, but at the same time it also works vice versa. The brain receives from the heart. Because if the brain does not get life, sustenance, blood, if the brain does not get blood, the brain can't, can't, can't live. So the heart is a mashpia to the moach. So just like it is physically that way, that the heart pumps blood up to the brain, the same is also spiritually the heart has something to it that it gives life to the brain. What does that mean? It means like this, that in a human being there's two types of desire. There's two types of ratzon. Most of our ritzonot, most of our desires, are hopefully desires governed by the mind. The mind creates desires. And these are a ratzon, it's called ratzon tachton, the lower desire. A desire based on an appreciation of the mind for the value of something and that's why I want it. But then there are certain desires that we have that are core desires that are just related to who you are at your core, at your essence. 
And these desires are not created because your mind appreciates that something is nice and good and wonderful. No, this is something I must have because I must have it. I must have it because that's me. I cannot be with like life. The mind doesn't have to explain to you that living is a good thing. And that's why, and every day your mind has to like re-explain to you why I should want to live. And God forbid if something happens in my life and what I'm, sometimes something happens where, where a person is, uh, you know, has a life-threatening situation going on, like they're choking or something. But because they didn't meditate in the morning of how, of how, uh, of how they want to live, they're choking. You see them getting first red and then blue in the face. And they're not even like gasping for air. They're just sitting there like, like nothing is happening. Why? Because they never decided today that they want to live. That doesn't happen. It's a natural reaction. That you go crazy, God forbid, if you're feeling like you're dying. Why? Because it's an instinctive desire that's rooted in your very essence. And you want, not because of... That means the heart, which is where we're referring to desire as want and heart, is higher than the brain. That it reflects a deeper part of the soul. The soul's essence the mind is also receiving from the essence, but the mind is receiving through a filter. The mind is filtered energy. The heart receives <coughs> the soul itself, unfiltered energy. So just like it is in, in, in worldly things, the same is in our holy soul, in our relationship with God. We have two types of influence from our nefesh and lokis. One of them is a sophisticated influence where we desire a relationship with Hashem. We want to be good Jews. We want to do a mitzvah. We want to be connected to Hashem. But it's all with reason and understanding of why we should want a relationship. Because God is good and He's great and He's wonderful and everything. That's a, that, that kind of love is a measured love. Because how much do you love as much as your mind says? But there's a whole different story. An Hashemah at its essence, needs God. Because the neshama is one with Hashem. It cannot be without Hashem. It, 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 its essence is God. And it desires Hashem with an infinite love, with an infinite and boundless desire. That's the godliness of your soul. That's your divine spark. That's rooted in the heart. When the heart cries. And when you feel, when you have an essential desire, when something when you're experiencing a desire and a want, and a real deep, 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 core essential desire, then those, and, and you're expressing it, that kind of a desire comes out in a, in, a, in, a, in a crying, in a sound, not through words. That's what we find when someone is in a, a lot of pain because of something very, 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 very terrible, or something really bad that they're feeling they're lost, they're losing, they can't talk. They're just crying and sobbing. That means that the pain, because it's touching them at the very, very core of who they are, God forbid a person lost a child or something, or something like that, it's like, it devastating them at such a core essential place, there's no words. They just sit and weep, and they cry. It's just sounds coming out, because the heart is, 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 the heart is spilling itself out, not the mind. And when we need to reach Hashem and Rosh Hashanah, and call God back into creation, it has to be that kind of a cry. It has to be that it's nogea tower etzem, and it's not, can't be sophisticated. All of this is expressed in the beautiful, this is, and again, the Alter Rebbe is giving intellectual words to this idea that's really beyond words, but the Balshemtov encapsulated this idea in his simple little metaphor in which he explained what the cry Rosh Hashanah is, about a little prince 
about a child that was taken away from the palace and he was taken away until he forgot the language and he forgot he forgot how to how to speak even forgot you know he forgot and then and then after he ran away from those who abducted him and so forth and went through all these things and made his way back and he sees the king but he forgot, and he wants to call out to him he's dressed in rags he's, he's he looks like he doesn't look like a he looks like a pauper doesn't look like a prince he looks and and and, and but he wants to call out to his father. And, and no one believes him and they beat him and they whatever and finally when he sees his father he wants to call out he doesn't even he forgot the language so because he forgot the language all he starts screaming is just crying out like just call, he's just making a sound without words and the father hears that sound and says ah that's my son so the Balshemta really encaptured this whole this whole talk over here this whole deep mimer the Balshemta said it in that story the Alter Rebbe is just coming to explain the Balshemta that that's what the shoifer is. It's the cry of the soul. Unadulterated soul. Soul as it's coming in its purest state. That's the cry of tshuva. And that's what he's going to explain. Again, um, the simple sound. is coming from the, the breath of the heart. It's higher than the intellect. Because in the heart, there's an external part of the heart. And the internal part. The external part of the heart, who is lower than the than the intellect. it's receiving from it. like it says, according to a person's intellect, a person is praised. The excitement of the emotions of the of the heart, who is in accordance to the intellect. as it is known. But this excitement of the emotions, that's the external part of the heart. It's called a lower desire. It's the desire of the heart, that is born, and it, is, it comes forth from the contemplation of the, of the mind. But the innermost of the heart, which is called a higher desire, it's not receiving the input. Its influence is not coming from the brain. It's rooted in the nishama, in the soul, higher than the mind. Where do we see that there are two parts of the heart? One subservient to the mind, and one above the mind. We say, this psukim that says, Levavi, which spells levav, lave with two bases. The mashma shnei levav is two hearts. Usually we say when it says two hearts, it means yetzer tov and yetzer hara. But here he says within yetzer tov, there's two yetzer tov. There's the yetzer tov, a desire for goodness and connection that comes. It's external because it's influenced by reason, and that's called external. Everything that's reason, everything I love because of a reason is external to my essence. But something that I want because of who I am, that's called internal. The inner part of the heart. Your desire is ketirza. Your lower desire, he translates, is like ketirza, like your higher desire. Rayasi, and he explains like this. Rayasi means my bride. It comes from the word the desire of the heart. That's your lower desire created through contemplation, meditation. Yeah, the Abishta says it should be ketirza like the higher desire, ratzin elyon like the supernal desire. That's above the intellect. 
You should unify my two hearts. Where the, the Alter Rebbe explains how Shabbos we access this higher, this higher love. We love God not because of our intellect. We love God of a pure neshama yaseira, pure deep depth of our soul. Every Shabbos we have access to that. He gives you a bunch of, a few sources for this idea. And this that it says that the brain rules over the heart. Implying that the mind is higher than the heart. That's the external part of the heart. That's true. That's born from the intellect canal. And the brain rules over it. But the inner part of the heart is higher than the brain. And that's why the moyach receives from the heart. As it is known. Where do you see that the moyach receives from the heart? Main sustenance, which comes from the food, is in the heart. Because the heart gathers the blood. That's where all the blood comes from the liver. That receives from the stomach. From the choices of the food. That gets converted into blood. In the liver. And from there they go into the heart. And the moach receives from the heart. So you see that the heart is higher than the mind. Because the moach. Ah, you can ask a question. That would mean that the, that the mind is also low, uh, is, that the stomach is also higher than the mind. Eh? The stomach rules. Because the stomach is what where the food goes in. The food then passes it to the liver. The liver then passes it to the heart. And the heart gives it to the brain. So how does that work? How can you say that? And the emesis, Chassidus explains, the sparks of holiness that the stomach has to deal with is taka higher than the brain. Because they come from toyo. In that sense, it's taka true. Because the stomach is there, is where the, the birur is happening. From toyo and tikkun is where you're separating the good and the bad. And in terms of those sparks, that inyan is taka coming from the food, which is taka lower. But it's really higher because we know that the, 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 the spark of God that's in the food is higher than the human, higher than the intellect. That's also true. But here we're talking about lave and mayach, that there's elements in the heart that are higher than the mind. That's why we find that God is called Sur Levavi, the strength of the heart. Torah comes from the mind. Torah is the brain, but Hashem Himself is the heart. Because in a sense, the essence of life is deeper than the mind. Why? Because the mind is always grasping. And that's why it's limiting. The heart is not grasping. The heart is just experiencing. It's, 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 it's yearning. The heart is yearning. The mind is grasping. You can grasp only things much lower than what you can yearn for. You can yearn for much more. Now, like we say later. This simple sound of the shoifer, whom is coming from the deepest part of our heart. This is the idea of tzak libam el Hashem. The heart is crying out to God. The heart is crying, not the. Pr- it's a, it's a, it's like the shetzak asalev, the crying of the heart. The innermost of the heart, or else it's the heart. The heart is conveying a want, a desire. That's not called tzaka. Tzaka is when the heart's the deepest part of the emotion, which is like. Really, the real, true, essential desire is emerging outward. Where it explains what tzako means. 
When Yidin cry out from the Pnimius Alev, Vayosha Hashem, Hashem always answers. I heard their cry. Okay. And here's, but here's an amazing thing. The Rebbe says, generally, how do you get to this deep essential? Sometimes things that are so essential, they're so core, because they're so core, they're so deep, and because they're so deep, even though we have them, they're very hard for us to be conscious of them because they're embedded so deeply. How do we get in touch with such a primal desire, such a pure... The answer is like this. It does not come... You can't experience it from any yeah. You can only experience it from a, from a no. In other words, you can't experience it from a yeah. You can only experience it from a no. Which means, through any kind of positive identification of something will not bring you to have that. It's when you feel like you're losing something. When something is being taken away, that, that, that is, that's when you cry out. So that's where we say like this. As much as a tzaddik, for instance, appreciates holiness and godliness, he can't cry out like this. He wants it, he's excited about it, and so forth. It's only a person who ended up in the dumps, a person who falls into real, real, real darkness, can really cry. This is the cry of the Balchuva, and that's why it's so much greater than the tzaddik. Because the tzaddik loves godliness because it's delightful. And the Balchuva is, is crying out for God because he's dying without it. He, uh, it is, the Eberster, he must have it. This primal cry comes out dafka from the distance. And we're going to say soon that we're born just for this reason. We're born just to cry. We come into this world just Because we're doing much better in terms of having our 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 re, our our connection to God with reason, we do much better up there in heaven. So Hashem has to, but the problem is that we're too caught up in, a, in, in, in loving Hashem because we appreciate, we appreciate God's qualities. God doesn't want that. He wants you to love Him because of Him, not because of His qualities. Well, for that He has to put you in a body where you get disconnected from all the qualities and you're suffocating, you feel like you're drowning in darkness. And from that place, the Neshama cries out that cry is from essence to essence. Only that cry reaches Hashem Himself and pulls Him down. V'nimshach, as He says, V'noila, then it's drawn and is born. Machmasah Hester, only from concealment. V'ahepech, and the opposite. B'yiridosah ilamata, when the person descended below. Shenesrachik mo'oid, the person became very, very distant. Mo'or p'nei melechayim ain't soif baruchu. From the continents of the living God. Um, ain't soft, the infinite one. Shamach mazeh, because of this, it will increase very much in a person's neshama. Hatzakol Hashem, the cry out to God. V'tizgal, and it will be revealed, the innermost of the heart. Sheyesh bekol echod ve'echod mi Yisrael. Every single Jew has it. L'Hashem ta'ashem Yisbarach. L'may l'masagosay. A Jew wants God higher than his understanding and his Ability to perceive the value of this relationship. At the Yid, this is the desire. This is who I am. Canal. is Balchuva, and this is the Balchuva. which the Zohar says, the Balchuva cries with a intense crying that a tzaddik can never have. That's why Chazal say Even the perfect tzaddik cannot stand in the place of the Balchuva. Because only from the concealment and from the block 
Tigodal Hatzaka, the cry. That's why when the Balshemta talks about the crying child, the prince, he talks about a prince that cannot come to his father. He's trying, there's a big parade, he's reaching, he wants to go, but they're blocking him, they're not letting him, they're throwing him away, they're pushing him away, and he can't bear the thought that his father, he has one chance to go see him, and he's going to miss him, and that's why he cries out. That cry will only come out of desperation. This is the ultimate purpose of Nishamas in Begufis and Bodies. To make the Tzadikim do tshuva. Who are the Tzadikim? The Nishamas above are all called Tzadikim. When the Nishamas were in Ganeiden, they were Tzadikim, which means their relationship with the God was all Mayach based, it was all intellectual based. They delighted, they, they loved Hashem, they were connected because they enjoyed the, the, the rays of the Shechina. This is the work of Tzadikim, who serve with intellect. Like it says, know the God of your father, and they will believe and serve him with your heart, which means the heart, however, is a product of the Da, of the knowledge. But when an neshama comes down into a body and an animal soul, they become a bal tshuva. To return above. Because there is, an obscure, there is something that's blocking and obscuring. Because of this, the cry becomes bigger and bigger, and it finally bursts and enraptures by Kia Shoifer. And this is the innermost of the heart. Like Chazal say, the Iker Tshuva believe. The main Tshuva is in the heart. Piddish, Ki Tshuva Dafka, Dafka Tshuva, who is Galos Pnimiyas Alev. It's the revelation of the innermost of the heart. Which is higher than the service of the perfect canal Because they are basing their entire relationship with God on, 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 on intellect, on reason. And what's the tshuva? From this itself. When one, it's not only when one is far, then they do tshuva. But the tshuva itself will come from the awareness of how far I am. When one will contemplate how distant one is, that I've distant myself, I've cut myself off from God so much. And, how, and to understand and to appreciate how much and how devastating a person's life is in this godless state that we live in. So he says, Even the lower Ganed, which has just a tiny little bit more of measure of godliness, the sages say it's worth it. It's worth it for a person to go through 70 years of the worst suffering to come to the lower Ganed. That tells us that all the pleasures and experience of this world are absolute junk. If we say that it's worth it to go through suffering and pain 70 years, worse than the, or the suffering of Job, of Eov, so to come to the lower Gan Eden, so you see what the, what the pleasure of God is, right? And Shekadei call Yisiri Gehenim to go to the lower. And Gan Eden Elyon is even higher than that. It's endlessly higher because there's a little bit more godliness revealed in the higher Gan Eden, and therefore the experiences are so much greater. Now, but that's not God. There's a little rays of God, even the higher Ganeid. Where do we have God Himself? Down here when I do a mitzvah, one hour of mitzvah in this world is greater than all, than all that. And the person thinks, I have the opportunity to do mitzvahs, but I haven't then. I wasted my life. The last year, how much time did I spend learning Torah, doing mitzvahs? Where I had, I was, 
that thought of how distant and removed and stupid I was, that's really what one is contemplating. That pain and that experience is what realizes, brings the person to cry. But here's the thing. Your, your desire to cleave is not based on the rational. That's only creating the tension and the, and the pain. Once there's that, that consideration, something deep takes over, which comes from this, from this, from this, um, from this aggravation. It's not aggravation. It comes from this, the kolshkin, the kolshkin, and how much more sheyesh lifkais, how much one should cry. From the distance, from the essence of the ain't sof, which I could have had. Which one hour of good deeds and truth in this world, from this the heart should cry. This is the tkiah. It's the simple sound. From the innermost of the heart. And afterwards it's followed by shvarim, which shvarim is the broken sound. It's like a person sighing. A broken heart. And then finally, the true is a sobbing. It's the evoking of mercy in real crying. And where does this lead? To the, to the, to the last tekiah. You go, tekiah is the sound of pure pain. Shvarim is when you're breaking down and sighing. And, and true is mamish sobbing. Mamish, the heart is totally... Can't, can't put it together. The pain is too intense. And then God responds. The last kia is Hashem's response. What's Hashem's response? Also, He is touched in a place that's beyond words, beyond reason. His love to us also is coming from this very, very... He also realizes that He can't be without us. It's an essential bond. It's not a, it's not, he doesn't want us because of this or because of that. Just, just because he can't be without us. So that's also, he communicates that back to us also without words. It's like the king crying back to his son that's calling out to him, also with just a pure raw sound, not with, not with words. The latter galus. that's the revelation of Ratzon Elyon, the supernal will, Melmaila from above. Kihina Akadish Barucho Nikrit Sur Levavi, that Hashem also is called Sur Levavi, he's also got two hearts. Meaning, a, Hashem also has a desire for us based on reason, because, we're, because of our, all of our virtues and goodness. But deep, deep inside, Hashem's lust to us is playing like a father to a child, like a mother to a child. Not with any reasons, but just because. And that's the pure, deep, deep, deep love that's higher than all reason. But, so Hashem too, it says, Belosh and Rabbim, the mashma beiz levav is two hearts. By Hashem as well. Like we said earlier. And the external part of God's heart, who is lower than Hashem's intellect. Like it says, With wisdom he founded the earth. Which earth is the heart. With Aretz comes from the word ruts, the heart races. It's coming from Chachma. The innermost of the heart, is the supernal will. That's higher than intellect. And Chachma is called action. It's considered so low, it's like a physical activity. Compared to this pure desire that God has, not because of any reason, just because of who He is. Chachma is only an action. Okay, in other words, this level of pnimiya salev is so much higher than anything that happens. 
in Chitzvah. But all year long, we don't really have access to these levels. All year long, we operate in the realm, the realm of intellect, the realms of words. But in Rosh Hashanah, we realize words are not going to get us anywhere. We go to a place that's totally beyond that, or we get to the essence. That is known, it's a simple sound, it's the revelation of the Pnimius, the innermost of Hashem's heart. It's the higher Ratzon, the higher desire. It's above Chachman, as we said earlier. It says, That Hashem blows with a shofar. Just like the Tkiyah, which is a simple sound. From the innermost of the heart. It's the revelation. It's the revelation of the supernal. It's higher than letters. That come from Chachma. The Torah taka comes from Chachma. We said earlier, Torah is called the brain. The ikrab chenas oisiyos, and the main thing about the Torah is taka letters. Kamaimer as al chazal say kol kula. All of the Torah shmoisav shalak kadosh baruch hu. It's Hashem's names, but names are made up of letters. Pana chenas oisiyos shabat Torah. The letters of the Torah. Val shem zan nikra mikra. That's why it's called mikra. Lashin kriya. It's like we're calling God by His name. But you see, when the boy is calling to his father, he's not calling his father by his name. He's just calling just, just a pure desire for the father as the father is beyond all names. When we learn Torah, we're calling out all, all of Hashem's names, which means all of Hashem's qualities. And that's why if something gets wrong and something gets negia, That's why if there's something scratched in the Sefer Torah, the whole thing becomes puzzle. Because the letters have to be perfect. It's in the letters. It's emerging from Chachma. Even though last week we said the Chachma itself is the parchment. But from the parchment come the letters. It's, it, it's, it's a letter, it's a letter manufacturer. It's, it's, it's the factory of letters. But the supernal will, that's the Pneumius Aleph, it's a simple sound, way above the letters, canals we said earlier, how do we draw God back down? Through the Shaifer. So now we're going to do just one more piece over here. Perik Dalit. You don't do Perik There'll be too much to learn next week. So we will just want to finish Perik Dalit, and it's also this is going to flow very easily. But another benefit we have when we cry out from the depth of our hearts, and we're reaching God Himself, the Ratzon Elyon. What that does is that all the mistakes that we made in Torah, all the all the all the damages, all the blemishes that we have Chas concurred in the. In our, in our mitzvah, in our year, in our relationship with God that is based on qualities, merits, and so on and so forth, in which we spoke last week that if Chas V'Shalom Yid does an Avera, he's damaging the letters. But if you remember we said, the parchment itself doesn't get damaged, but the letters do. And only the, the, the parchment that's under the letters, we said, is influenced. A little bit, right? So he says, once we get, 
when a Yid cries out and he reaches Hashem himself and he gets Hashem himself to be desired to be in a relationship with him, Hashem himself to, to come down, then it fills all the deficiencies that there were in any aspect of a Yid's Yiddishkeit. The person can fulfill call that happen in the realm of names, in the name, the realm of words. We said before the Torah is Hashem's names. These are all Hashem's qualities, all of Hashem's personality traits, and so on and so forth. Which on that Hashem gave us this mitzvah to connect to this, and that mitzvah to connect to that. But these are all particulars, the various different details. But then there is the essence of it when we can re again, when we can draw forth the essence, it will replenish whatever was lacking or whatever was damaged in all these, in all these particulars. He can fulfill all the blemishes which happened through the sins of the previous year. Because the blemishes of the 248 positive commandments. Vishasa uh, losa say in three sixty five prohibitive commandments. Hainu b'chenas chachma is only in the level of chachma. Shem emenu nimshachah Torah because the Torah comes from chachma. Kenal va'atsham magiim apegamim and over there is where the blemishes are reach. Val yadei hashoifer but through the shoifer shenimshachah ora where the shofar draws forth a ray mipchenas from the last tekia that we spoke earlier. From the supernal will, that's higher than wisdom. As we said earlier, therefore, it fills all blemishes that happened in Chachma. And a new light shines forth with added vigor and added strength. He gives an interesting mashal. If a river gets dry, so and there's no water running in the river. So you have to go to the to the spring and clear away whatever is blocking. And then, then when that happens, once the, you draw from the spring, you dig deeper. And even if let's say it's let's say it's the, the springs are clogged, there's the water it's not being fed. So what you have to do is you have to dig deeper. Eventually, you dig, you dig, you dig, and then you'll hit like a, a strong water a water vein or whatever it is, and the waters will come up and they'll fill the entire river again. You dig deep. We fill the lacking, the even more than what was before. So not only are we getting back what we had and we lost, but we're actually getting back more than we ever had before. There are three things that connect one to the other. Yisrael by Raisa, Yidin connect to the Torah. And the Torah is connected to God. And that means usually throughout the year, our communication and connection to Hashem is via and through the Torah. It means like we said earlier, we're working through the brain, and the Torah is the brain. That is all good when we observe the ways of the Torah and the mitzvahs. But if God forbid a person blemished an episode mitzvah, so this kesher, this connection, the connection of the Jew connecting to the Torah and through the Torah with God got kind of disconnected or got weakened. So now if I need to repair it, the Rebbe says you don't repair it from the Torah itself. You have to use, instead of going through the Torah, you have to go directly to God. And from God, you, 
you, can, you have to connect through the same place the Torah is connected. Because now we connect through the Torah, from the Torah to Hashem. But if that connection is kind of not working, so we have to bypass, so to speak, the Torah, and get to Hashem Himself, and from there replenish and fix the pipelines, and so on and so forth. For us, I am then ain eight said there's no advice, only through tshuva, from the depth of the heart, which is like considered digging deep. Sure, through this a person leaps over walls. He's leaping over the wall, which is the wall of the Torah. Yelam's leaping over the wall. Because you're doing something that is, you know, illegal. You're jumping up and you're reaching for God, but God can't say no to a cry of a Jew. And you're drawing from the Eberster himself, which is the soul. See, the Torah is the Mamala Kalalman light. This mitzvah, this mitzvah, everything is detailed, specified. You're going up straight to the sove, which means to God Himself. That is removed. And that's the same place where the Torah is connected. Which is Chachma. And you're going to that very place from there and evoking. And once you draw forth Hashem back down, and Hashem illuminates into the Torah, the Yisrael, and into the Jewish people, so that automatically, then it automatically call all the blemishes, and all the, and all the lackings, they're automatically, I'm sorry, not memela, memale, it fills, call all the blemishes, and the deficiencies, Kamaimer, as we say, Antu Shlimu Dekulu, you are the perf- perfect of all. Antu Memala, you fill Kol Shaman, all names. You're the perfect one. You fill all names. That means if, this is the, if you bring you, then everything becomes filled. All your names. Fezau, when this is the meaning, Vayaver Hashem Alpanov, that Hashem goes over his name, over his face. <coughs> his face is Chachma. Hashem goes over his face, higher than his face. Vayikra Havaya Havaya. He says he called out two times Havaya. What does that mean? We know that between the two Havayas, Yutke Vavke and Yutke Vavke, there is a line. There is a, there is a, 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 a simon of like a. And the reason for that is it's showing the lower Havaya is the Yutke Vavke of the 10 Sphirot. That's the system. Yutke Vavke is the system. The higher Havaya is this infinite God's essence. And what we're doing over here is we're reaching for the higher Havaya to fill the blemishes in the lower Havaya. There's two types of Havayas. One is in the project, projected order of worlds. Yud Chachma. The Yud represents wisdom. Hey, Bina. The Hey is Bina. The Sham Hey Mapkamim. And that's where the blemishes of of the lack of observance, al yadei Torah mitzvahs. This that we, chas v'shalom, did not learn Torah, do mitzvahs, we blemish in, in one of the letters. as is stated in the writings of the Arizal, by the bedtime Shema. We say it, in pagamti yud, if I blemished in the letter yud, the bitl kriya Shema, because I did not, I, I, I did not say the Shema. It doesn't mean you didn't say the Shema, it means you didn't live with the Shema. What does that mean? Ki mitzvah kriya shema. The mitzvah of the shema is liyachto bahavayach. Is going to explain now why shema is connected to yud, the chachma? Because what's chachma? Chachma is the point of total bittel to Hashem. It's the first emanation. It's the point of total nullif. It's where you recognize ain old mavado does none but God. Before you even can understand that in your bina, it's the essential bittel of the neshama to Hashem. That's the yud. 
So if Chas V'Shalom Ayid is blemishing that bittel, he's not, he's not cognizant of that bittel or living with that bittel, he ignores that bittel and the lie, that's called being, being pogim in the Yud. How there's nothing but him. All before him is not. Someone who's not appreciating this, recognizing this, giving attention to this idea, causes a blemish in his yud. Which is bitl, chachma is bitl. The power of what? Like it says, Chachma comes from nothing. What does that mean? It's constantly born from the ayin, and it knows that it comes from this. It's constantly being created from absolute nothing, and therefore it surrenders itself completely to its creator, to that nothingness. But when a person feels a person is a whole, is lacking in bittel, so that's a pegam in the chachma. Now, it's possible that a person is cognizant of this bittel, but he doesn't love Hashem. Because he's failing to internalize his relationship with God through Bina. Bina is the next stage. It's not just enough to have essential bittel. You also have to have a developed understanding of God's greatness. And as a result of that, love Him. Which is a Bina exercise. If a person does not put in effort into loving Hashem through contemplative prayer, that's considered a blemish in the hay, which is connected also to tefillin. And when you don't do that... There's a blemish in the hay of Hashem. It's a blemish in the hay. Which is Bina, which is the heart. Great love. And through the, when a person fails to study Torah, that's a blemish in the Vav. Because what's the Vav? They're drawing down a line, a long line. Coming from the Yod, going down. And that's what Limud Torah does. You're calling Hashem down into the world. Because all the Torah, it's all drawing from Chachma, from Hashem's Bittel up there. You're drawing that Bittel down into the world. And someone who's not studying Torah, he has time to study Torah and is not doing it. Makatser is causing that Vav, that pipeline, that Download not to go down, down, down into the world. It remains up there. So he's causing the vav to be cut off. <coughs> That's a pegam and the vav. And when one failed to do actual mitzvahs, the, the, the physical mitzvahs like tzedakah, so and so forth, that's a blemish in the latter hay because that's God's kingship, which is what a mitzvah is. We're surrendering and doing what Hashem wants. Can you do it? That's called asiyah, as it is known. Achkols, however, all of this, this is the lower name of, of the Yud Kevavke. Which this is what brings about the emanation or the chain like progression of the world. and the like. But the shame of above. Even though that too is called Havaya, which Havaya means it has somewhat of a relationship with the world. Because it brings. Existent shemimenu yisbarach that comes from him. Makolmokim. It's not the same type of hisavos. It's not creating in a manner of investment. It's creating in a manner of infinite. Hupchinas gilui oir elyon. It's an infinite light. Shalamayla meishtal shalos. It's way above the ishtal shalos. The progression of progression of worlds. Hupchinas rotsana elyon. It's a simple will of God. Anal shulamayla mayla menachachma. It's way above chachma. Elachem psik taima begavei. That's why between the higher between the higher havaya and the lower havaya there is a there is a wall showing how far they are. Ach, but that's on their own. 
But when a Yid blows shofar, when a Yid does tshuva, and he's crying from his pinimius on neshama, then he's more that achinyo vayikra havaya havaya, that Hashem calls havaya havaya. Hainu shuhu yizbarach, that Hashem koira calls umamshech, and he draws forth, mipchina shem havaya harishon, from the higher havaya, which is not blemished at all from our sins. Shalomaylam ishtalshlos, that's above ishtalshlos canal. Liyos mizgale, for that to reveal itself, bahavaya she mipchina ishtalshlos, in the lower havaya. Over there he explains that the first one is the first one is above. See, he's bringing that in other svarim. It seems to imply that the second havaya. It says havaya by the second one is the higher one. That's from Priyat Chaim, Sharas Lichas, Perik Beis, Vayim Bezoya, Seif Parshas Teruma, Parshas Bereishis, Priyat Chaim, Sharas Nelish, Bechaz Beit Chaim. Okay, it's one of the two avayas, but the, <coughs> the idea still remains the idea that you're calling from a higher avaya into the lower avaya to fill all the blemishes that are in the Yutke Vavke. Lamal is to fill Kalapigamim, all the blemishes, Vachas Roynis, and whatever was lacking. Shanasa Boyal De Avoynis that happened through the sits. Like we explained earlier, Bamashal, by the analogy of Anar of a river, Shayavish, that God dry, Shayadeshim, might see, and through this, that we take out the Choifrim, and we dig Mahamayon from the spring itself, Mismalahanar, the river becomes full Chulu. Fazau, Inyanat Chuva, and this is the whole idea of Chuva. Shayadeya, Chuva through Chuva, Koirim, we call forth, and Mamshichem, Epchenasavaya, Shalamaylam, and say the Rishtalshlis. We draw forth from the Havaya that's beyond the Yishtalshul's Kamoshe Kasev, like it says, Mimamakim, from a deep place, Krasicha Havaya, I call you forth into Havaya. That's why we keep on repeating the 13 attributes of mercy during the Aseris Yimei even beginning in Tzluchos. Ki oz then nimshach p'chineses galas havaya. That's when the havaya is revealed. Shalamayla meshtalshlos. That's above the progression. Shu p'chines ratzne elyim, which is the supernal will. Shalamayla manchachma. That's ha'ivam chachma. Al yedei ha'shoifer. We draw it through the shoifer. Koel poshet the simple sound. Shu is galus pnimius alein, which is the revelation of the innermost of the heart. Kanal, as we said before. Ulechei. Now he also adds another gavaldig thing. Tzarech lias ha'shoifer dafke shal ayel. That's why the shofar has to be dafka from a ram. And we can't use a shofar from, a, from an ox, from a, from a cow. Or from a wild, uh, whatever uh, type of ram. But from a cow. Puzzle is puzzle. And the reason is because the cow comes from the left side. We know that in the, in the supernal chariot, the cow is on the left. The, the shor. And that represents gavura. And the whole thing we're trying to do with the shofar is to evoke mercy. It comes from the left. It's And through gavura we cannot be That great mercy. Which is the innermost of the heart. The supernal will. If we're going to evoke the left side of God, it's going to cause Hashem smoil daicha. He's going to hear the person, the child crying. He's going to say, I don't want to hear from you. Where were you till today? We don't want to evoke the left hand. We're using a ram. Because a ram comes, is a, is a large sheep. And sheep, they're, they're, what sheep, the sound of sheep is a sound of mercy. Sound of compassion. The sheep sound melts a heart. When you hear sheep, 
It like melts the cruelest heart. Uh, Yaakov, Yaakov, we know is Rachamim. They have Rachmanes, which is the mid of Yaakov. Like we see literally, like we see literally, when you hear the bang of a, of a, of a, of a, of a sheep, it evokes mercy. Through the shoifer from the ram, Amshichim, we draw forth this galus ratzanel in the revelation of the supernal will. For Rachmim, Rabim, and the great Rachamim, Shalomaylam, Ishtalshalis, that's completely above the Ishtalshalis order. For he may now behold Agam Sheikram Shachayde Pnimis Alev, even though the main Hamshach is through the innermost of the heart. So Aklibam, the heart cries out, Imkolze, nevertheless, Hu al Yedeat Kia Beshoifer Dafka. He's asking a question. Why can't I just, okay, I understand why I can't use an ox, a, 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 a cow. I have to use a, a, a one that, uh, from an from a animal that represents mercy. But who says I have to use an animal at all? The point is to cry. We should cry. Let a person omit a plane. We should all shout out, ah! Why do we shout with a shofar? Why do we have to put a shofar, which is an animal horn? Why can't we just convey the main thing is the crying of the heart? The human cry. Metam, the reason is, ki that there's something very potent in physicality. So the physical horn of an animal, that's very physical, because we know dafka, that dafka gashmias touches the highest of the high. So we dafka want to take, it can't be a cry of a soul. And even you say there's physicality in the cry, because it's a human cry. The human cry is, 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 already, is already, it's a cry, it has physicality to it, but it's, 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 it's filled with, with a spiritual content. You want to have a pure cry, a sound of a physical sound, because physical is very strong. It's representing the deepest cry of the soul. But it's coming in the physical world. But then he's going to explain another idea. Why dafka? This is a gewaldiga reason. Why we dafka use a physical shofar? Because, not because asiya, anything in the physical, reverberates very, very high. Because of the rule not seifam betchilasam, the beginning is wedged in the end and the end in the, in the beginning. So that's why dafka physicality can touch the highest. But there's something else, there's something else. We want the shofar to influence that wat, that God should have mercy and give us a good year. But we want that that, that, that energy should materialize in physical blessings. Material blessings. Because the main judgment of Rosh Hashanah is not on spiritual matters. No, the main judgment of Rosh Hashanah is on physicality on livelihood, on life and death, on health, children, on the physical things. So therefore, since we have to direct the energy into the physical, that's why we use a physical object so that we can bring it down, 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 down into the material. For Oid, and the other reason, this revelation of the supernal will from above, it has to be drawn down below to be enclosed in the physical. As we say, inscribe us in, in the book of good life. Inscribe us in the book of livelihood. There should be physical food for a person. It comes through this great mercy. That is drawn forth and enclosed. So below, below, bigashmi is in the physical. Until there will be a revelation of the Abishtas, Rachmanis, Bashpa, Gashmi is into the physical. 
the general power of Rachmim that comes in Rosh Hashanah, to sweeten the judgments. The main thing is, they should be drawn down below, as we said earlier. Because the main judgment of Rosh Hashanah is on the bodies. If the body will live or die, if he will continue, if the neshama will continue living in that body, or the neshama will depart the body. But the judging of the soul itself is not now, it's after death. That's when the neshama is judged for the soul life. That, but our main judgment of Rosh Hashanah is on our physical life down here. Like it says in Agos Meimenes in the third chapter of Hilchas Tshuva, which is a safer on the Ramban, B'shem HaRamban, in the name of the Ramban. That a person is not judged on Rosh Hashanah only for matters of this world, the current world, the physical world, so also the mercy that sweetens the judgments, that the mercy has to come down so below, until they get enclosed in the physical. And that's why we have to blow the simple sound on now, with a physical shofar, of a sheep. The aisle and a ram, ukiyotz and the like, sheyesh by rachamim that has mercy. Valyadeiz and through this mesayra came lamaila. It evokes also above sheyesh rachamim rabim anal. There should be great mercy. Nimshachim should come down umizgashmim and it should materialize. Ashpuusam begashmiyus until the ashpuus is going to be in the physical. So in rachamim gashmiyim. This is physical rachamim. Ki ashpuus chayim gashmiyim because the ashpu of physical life hainu pchin is behemiyus. Physical life is called animal life. And this is happening through the tkiyah. And the evoking of rachmim. With a horn of sheep. Which is a behemoth. You want to bring everything down into physical life, which is called animal life. And the idea is that Tzemach Tzedek adds, is the last part of the Maimah where he adds. The spirit of the human rises upward, meaning it's spiritual life. And the spirit of animal, goes down to the earth. And since we want to direct life down to earth, we're using animal. The spirit of man that rises, that's the, that's the tshuva, that's the human, that's the cry of the shofar. That the spirit is rising up. That's the tshuva that we're learning about earlier. And this aliyah, we're going higher and higher and higher. So again, the shofar experience is a combination of human and animal. The human part of it is the elevation of the neshama higher, higher, higher to evoke in the most transcendental, deepest, highest places of God. And then the behema is to take that and direct it down, Ruach HaBehema, Yeredes Lamata, to bring it down into the material world. It's called Ruach. In order, In other words, here there's two inyanim, there's Ratzai and Shuv, there's Aliyah and Yerida. The Aliyah is rising up 
to pull down. Hamshacha ba'ashpaz gashmiim the physical material thing. Shazal b'chenes bahamis, which is the idea of a behema. Shazal de b'chenes veruach a behema yeredes lamata. The spirit of the animal that goes down below the earth to the earth. Shu b'chenes eretz al yoyna, which is the supernal earth. Va eretz adayim ragli, which is where the earth where Hashem puts his feet. Kamosh kol deramasa kiseitze elachain. Therefore, gama malachim malachim too, who are the couriers of things from who materialize things. What do malachim do? They are the agents to take spiritual ideas and turn them into physicality. They're the meteors. That's why they're also called behema, because they're made to be delivering things down below. They are the emissaries of this flow. That it should come down into the physical world. And they receive from the larger behema, which is malchus, which is also called behema, because malchus is Indian, is also to... Bring down hashpa down. That it becomes the general flow that is enclosed in Briyat, Sir and Asiyah, the three lower worlds. Adam together with animal Hashem will help. Through the combination, teamwork of man and animal together. The Adam Behema, so to the Chaim Midas Malchusai, and Malchus is also called Adam and Behema. The Kras Peshnei Shemois Elu, the Adam and Behema, Kama Shekasim Makamachar, as stated elsewhere. The Zeuvayav and Hashem Alpana Vayikra, that Hashem passed over his face, and he called out, Pidish Egilui Zeh, who Shaover Alpana, this great revelation that comes through the Shoifer. That means he's going over his face, meaning he's going over his very rules. Not according to the system. From his face. From the Abish, this Pneumius, he can't be enclosed. So he's giving another catch over here. From, from the Pneumius, the Galites, coming from Chachman downward, it doesn't come down to give us blessings in the physical. It comes down, it gets less and less and less, but the time it comes down to the physical, it's very, 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 very weak. It's not on abundance. In order to have an abundant life in the physical, you have to reach Keser, the great Vayavar Havaya, and Dafka that goes down all the way down below low. From above, he can lower himself down lower, gam lamata, even below. He went over his face, from a place higher, and from there, we can bring down all the material blessings into this world. Next week, Thursday night, we're going to learn that all of this is the shoifer of now. And now we're going to learn what is the shoifer of Mashiach. What is the higher shofar, Yutaka B'Shoifer Gadol. For that, we have... Uh, the next week's shear. Make sure not to miss it. We'll see you be'ezrat Hashem.